Hey, what? Audio check. Mic so, on. So? Yeah. Hi. Hello. Hi. Bro. Okay. In contrast to what I used to do with uh, the first batch at NID, where we were all together in one very small, confined area, and one was able to see and 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 deal with individuals, understand people's needs, and then provide those inputs which would enable them to move forward. In bigger places and more organized institutions, that kind of thing, especially when you have a role of a uh, of somebody who's in, in decision-making and has to interface with management all the time. There are a lot of other activities that one has to look into, student affairs, faculty affairs, and uh, how how these are dealt with uh, by the management, plus what we as traditional designers understand of, of design. Uh, one thing I noticed is that now there is a preponderance uh, an emphasis on on software as a means to get ahead in design, which to my mind is a very misplaced notion because software itself is just a tool to deal with things. And uh, and as, as uh, design evolves, there'll be a lot more software to, to deal with these things, but they all become tools. We have to concentrate on what is fundamental to design. And when we talk about what is fundamental to, to design, if you look at it historically, starting somewhere, uh, uh, at least in India, with, with the NID, which was the only institution of design at that time, the basics evolved from, from other countries, Germany, for instance, the history of which is well known to a lot of you. But those still remain the fundamentals of design. If people are strong with these fundamentals, then anything that comes up in the future is something that people will adapt to. Today, everybody asks, what, what are the skill sets that we need to, to learn? What are the software that we need to learn? But I don't think it is so much uh, uh, the importance is, is to be given to the skill sets and the software that one needs to learn. These are only adjuncts to the entire process of being a designer. The first tool I always feel is the mind. And to develop the mind, one needs to be very, very uh, Catholic in, in approach. That means embracing all spheres of knowledge. And that's why I used to emphasize with you guys too, that you should be widely read. Today, it's easy to get a lot of information, but to sort out from that information what is relevant, that requires a little more maturity of thought. It develops with time. And uh, and for, the, for anybody who's uh, in the foundation at the moment, to demand all knowledge at foundation level is actually not quite the correct thing. These things evolve with time. And there are things that you learn in foundation and in the later years that you will understand and they become relevant only many years down the line. It is, it is very good to question everything, that is for sure. And uh, that questioning attitude is going to get everybody quite far. But this questioning attitude is, is for self-development. It is not for pointing out the mistakes in the system. It is to learn something about what design is, is, is really about. From the time of my learnings in design to, to now, 
there are certain things that have changed a lot. While we had this very, very extensive design process that taught us to anticipate all kinds of possibilities, what has happened now is that certain parts of these, uh, these possibilities have become very, very critical realities now, especially in the area of uh, what we are generally calling sustainability issues. Even in our times, one had to anticipate the worst and design for the worst kind of situations. And design for, and while sustainability issues were, were thought about it at those times, they were not so uh, heavily emphasized. The design process covered it. And we always, in our design process, we anticipated and we discussed these factors and we factored them into our projects. But today it has become very critical because we do know that we have reached what is called a tipping point where pollution plays a part, society has, has changed and, uh, and crumbled in many ways, then it becomes imperative for a designer to be very, very cognizant of these facts. Today, I don't think any of us designers should, uh, should really emphasize uh, or rather concentrate on things that are merely lifestyle, things that are merely aesthetic. Behind, even if one were to do this, Behind it, there, there are a lot of these factors of disposability, garbage, pollution, the use of uh, unsustainable use of materials. These are the things that we should, we should learn a lot about now. And they should become fundamental to all our learning processes. Anytime we do design, I think it's essential to question all of these and bring them in, into, uh, into our design process. I, I really believe that there is only one fundamental course for designers and that is the design process. If one is really good at the design process and one keeps on uh, uh, studying that design process, keep on iterating the processes of design, that itself is good enough to take you ahead because this process will encompass all the other courses that you have learned. Design and environment, for instance, space, form and structure, the uh, analytical, technical, now, material aspects of things. The design process is something that one should have packed at all times. Today, it has become a fashion to rename this design process in many ways. But however you call it, the processes don't change. You may lump some of the processes in, in, inside one heading and you divide it into four processes or six processes and everybody wants to sit on a mountain and rename a design process according to their own needs. But that doesn't change the fact that there is a certain process that goes on and it's an iterative process. You keep on going back. Somebody had asked a question, which is there, uh, which Midun has uh, sent me. Where do you stop? This where do you stop is a very tricky kind of a question. But the answer lies within your design process. If it has satisfied what you have defined in your design statement, now that is where you will stop. That means in the design process, the design statement becomes a very critical point and one has to articulate that extremely well. Then you go along the design process, you come up with your concepts, you test your concepts, but at all points, you're going to be reverting to your design statement and that is the one which is going to be the one that determines where you're going to stop and what, what is the end of your design. 
But by end, one does not mean a total end. Because this all design evolves. And something that was thought of as, as good at one point in time can always be bettered in the future because of changes in thought process, because of changes in technology. Doi, I I wandered a little from the question you yourself asked because yeah, but it's fine. It's it's going great, sir. Like, but I want to ask, sir, how would you expect one to tackle all these problems that we have talked about, like being in this competitive world where you are, you know, surrounded by many problems, whether it's earning or you have to like sustain with your family also. So, how would you expect a designer, a graduate, to tackle all these problems, like so? Yeah, I just wanted to notice. Like we get, you know, uh, some we get lost somewhere in this world to sustain our life, earn money, and you know, just live. It's not peculiar to designers. It's not particular to designers. It is. It is applicable to everybody. You know, how does a doctor practice in this time when a doctor cannot actually see a patient? How does a researcher do their work? How does a, a person who is in the sciences go and do their work? This is not particular to design. It has something to do with our own attitudes. We, we tend to get very caught up with the problems of our, our times. But then a certain objective look, you have to step outside your own milieu and look at it. Then you realize that the certain factors always remain the same. We tend to get very emotional about this uh, these questions, how, why, when, where, and we get caught up within these emotions. One needs to be very objective when one looks at problems. One, when, because we are within the problems. And when we are within the problems, we are affected so much by everything around us that everything will be touching us. For instance, staying at home, there are uh, things to take care of, your daily existence, Who's going to buy what and bring it into the house? If somebody's unwell, how are you going to deal with it? Now, all these questions, and we are relentlessly subjected to these issues of COVID, vaccination, the number of deaths, oxygen, black fungus, yellow fungus, rainbow fungus, the works. Now, these, these are things that will always exist for, for some, some time yet to come. And things may get worse or things may get better. That is something that we can never predict. But we, we have to focus on, on, on certain things while doing all of these other things. We still have to focus on what, what are the things that we are supposed to be doing. So when you're faced with these issues, uh, you're sitting at home and you're designing something, but there are a hundred things to do. There's a certain amount of time allocation that one has to uh, make for your own works while dealing with the other things. There's no easy way out, out here. But... People who get emotional over these things will always have problems. Very interesting to see these, uh, you know, uh, viewpoints uh, and, um, you know, you kind of end up introspecting yourself on what you are doing on a daily basis. Uh, uh, I would like personally, I would really like to know what is the contrast that you see in 1985 and now? And, uh, in terms of even learning or teaching or the entire design culture itself and uh, is there some way uh, we can le obviously 
there are a lot of ways i i feel that we can learn from there and uh, you know continue the tradition that actually started the entire drive of design in india so uh, a light on this yeah you see there are a lot of uh, differences between uh, when i joined college in in 1985 and the people joining colleges now one is it is very obvious that times have changed technologies have changed thought processes have changed the another difference is that uh, nid itself was a was a fairly experimental kind of a place for a very very long time until it uh, it became quite standardized so during my times there were still experiments going on and it was uh, it was a common statement to hear that we all students were part of a bigger experiment at that time we never understood all these these things and we felt like guinea pigs and we resented that too but what was nice about that time was one of course nid was an exquisite campus it was purpose built for design and therefore even the walls showed design and if i come to look at it now i would think that even if i one were to go and stand outside a, a wall at nid one tends to learn something from those those uh, those walls and from other intangible things we had very very small batch sizes my batch size was 25 people your batch size was 60 and i have taught batches uh, in in other colleges that were 120 people when a batch size is very small that means naturally a lot of attention can be paid to individual students there was a huge corpus of uh, of faculty in all kinds of fields there was a massive amount of assistance at all at all levels within uh, the workshops each of them was very very skilled in their own ways plus we had very very eminent people coming from across the world very regularly to the college so we had a very broad uh we had very wide inputs and very deep inputs today that thing has changed with larger batch sizes it becomes very difficult to to teach people as individuals that is a one of the differences the other thing is in 1985 my batch was the first batch which uh, switched to the five year system of education it was a five year uh, uh five years of education that led to the diploma at that time the the batch immediately senior to me had five and a half years out of which one and a half years was spent in foundation so when it came to us and they said you are the first five year batch it was not a privilege for us we said how is it that we are going to learn the same things that our seniors learned in five and a half years and that one and a half year of foundation which is a very very critical thing in fact i would think that the foundation is the most critical part of design education if if things happen well in the foundation students will do really well as they go ahead in the years but if foundation itself is a very small and condensed uh, kind of a, a learning experience then things become a problem when you had five and a half or five years of of learning there was greater time given to courses and important courses went on for 8 weeks for instance design process and what we called uh, an ep environmental perception 
so on and so forth. Right now, what has happened, all these courses have become quite condensed. And there's so many inputs that people are supposed to take in or deliver. Faculty is supposed to deliver within short spans of time, four weeks, three weeks, two weeks. Now, in our time, two weeks were, were like uh, kind of uh, workshops. They weren't actual courses. They were just small inputs into things added as adjuncts to the larger subjects. So now you have four years of uh, design education, which in my opinion is, is too little really. But we have no choice. All institutions have standardized it at that for various reasons. And that is not something that can be changed. And that becomes a very, very difficult uh, thing to deal with. How do you give all these vast inputs to students in such short spans of time? And one never is able to do justice. That puts a lot of burden on both the faculty and the students, more so on the students. Because expectations of them are high. But there isn't enough time. And this time is very important also in design. Because unlike a lot of other subjects, one needs time to reflect upon the learnings that happened prior. Without reflection, there is nothing much that comes out of design. One needs to think deeply. One needs to dream about things. Then understand what are the core factors that influence design. Now, these things we don't have time for. Secondly, design deals with human beings. And human beings are always idiosyncratic. They're so different. There's no one rule that you can apply. So even when we make our personas and all these things, and we are trying to standardize things. But it really doesn't work. Because everybody is different from the other. That means we need to have a wide range of experience. And how do you broaden this experience? By immersing yourself in within the environment, meeting people, interacting with your peers, showing your work to your peers, always be in a discussion mode. So that was the greatness of NID because it threw you into a situation within, within a certain boundary where it immersed you into all forms of design learning. And this design learning was not discrete in the sense of being within small compartments. The design learning was broad-based. Yes, we all finally specialized in something or the other. But the people, the students of that age, knew a lot more about things, primarily because of a few factors. One is uh, what we called the jury system. The jury system of those times were not based on any grades and markings. At the end of every course, you had an open, ju open jury where everybody was called in Everybody means anybody who wished to come into a jury session could come in and sit there and even ask questions. While the faculty asked their questions and the students presented their work, there was a lot of discussion going on at the same time. People justified their work. Why? What is the basis for their, their outputs? And you had a broad uh, peer learning. Seniors came in, juniors came in. That went on to the end of the semester jury, which was again an open jury where all the semester work was put up, like you guys had in your times too. Then you, when you reached your fourth year, uh, after, rather after four and a half years, we had what is called a pre-diploma presentation, where all the work of four and a half years was put up in a common space and the entire institute was uh, had the ability to come and have a look at the work, critique it, then you had a jury based on that. 
And based on the jury, which was not a question of marks, it is how did you do right from the time you joined the place to the time you finished your systems design project and you have put up this pre-diploma presentation. Only on that basis was the student sent ahead to, a, to the graduation project, what we call the diploma project in those times. Today, there is no time to do all these things and people have totally removed this pre-diploma presentation. So it has probably one is it, uh, it's a matter of convenience, but this convenience is also dictated by the amount of time that people have to do anything. So things have changed drastically. NID being such a people-friendly campus, there were a lot of uh, spaces created where people could congregate and I remember during those times, major factor being there were no no uh, cell phones, no mobiles with us, no Instagram, no Facebook, none of the social media was there. The only social media out there was, was uh, the common factor was probably cigarettes and sitting out there and and talking. Cigarettes and chai probably was the, was the social media of those times. And we had a fantastic library. People actually used libraries in those days. And when you go and information seeking becomes a tough job, then you tend to go and search deeper. You spend time in searching and when you find something, it's it comes out of a lot of hard work. Today, information is available extremely easily. And people assume that information are facts and that these facts are insights. It, it is not that way. You have information which may or may not be true. When you look for the facts, and once you have the facts, it's not enough that you have facts alone. These facts have to be analyzed, and then you get these deeper thought processes, these insights into it, and then you learn something out of it. So that aspect has changed a lot. People talk to each other. People, while yes, even in those days, there were our ego problems, and we didn't like somebody saying something about our work. The fact is that was the common norm at that time. Everybody talked about everybody else's work and their work. Hostels were areas where work was discussed and there were deep discussions. There wasn't much of a difference between the juniors and the seniors. Everybody were rather friendly. And because in my time, there were approximately only 240 students, including the postgraduates, some of who stayed within the campus and a few of them stayed outside the campus. So you tended to know people a lot. And when you know people, you're able to analyze people, their expectations, their needs, their thought processes. There is a small microcosm out there, which itself was a big learning. And when we went outside for our learnings, we were, we were thrown out of there without much of faculty guidance. We went there and did the learnings that we were supposed to do. What we had was uh, what we call the, what you call the environment perception. We had something called the rural exposure. And there was the urban exposure. Both these courses were different courses. And in rural exposure, we went there and spent three weeks within a system and learned about the system. Every evening, one came back and made a presentation about the whole thing. So there were composite learnings that happened. And, and because there, wasn't, there weren't other things to do, we were quite immersed within design. So much so that largely NID designers of that time were were in, in that sense, because they were within this campus and this NID tag was such a big thing in those days. It was an elite institution. Imagine only 24 students out of the whole bunch of students who applied. 
and actually not too many people knew about it. Anybody who came to NID were people whose parents didn't know much about design. Somehow they found out about NID and Landrida, but there was a desire to land up there. Today, the idea of design has changed. Design with the, the number of colleges that are available to students today, there's too many choices. And everybody thinks this college is better, that college is better, and so on. And, uh, and design has become a quite a fashionable term. And today what has happened is people assume that once you get into design, you're going to get a great job. And therefore, we have questions like, well, what, what am I going to be earning after I, I finish my, my course? But that is not even pertinent. First of all, anybody who thinks of design as a career should be asking the question, the most important question being, do I have an aptitude for design? One, do I have the specific learnings that are required to, to take me to a design college? Today, what people assume is that a drawing skill is good enough to get you into, uh, into a design college. But that's not the fact because I've taken so many interviews of people who wish to come into a design college and they know nothing. They have not done their research about what design is, what are the uh, different disciplines within design. They are more interested in knowing how much am I going to be earning at the end of my course, which is still four years ahead. People have this general idea, notion of design, that designers are paid well. And yes, certainly, good designers do are paid well. There's another problem here with the number of designers who are graduating out of colleges every year. The quality of designers who are actually, of students who are actually exiting the colleges, there's a mismatch out there. We have a huge amount of students who are no good at all. Because in the first place, they did not know what they wanted to do before entering a design college. Somebody said that's a good good, uh, good uh, profession to take. So people have entered the college. And even in the third year, after they've joined a specific discipline, they have no idea what design is all about. They have no interest in the particular specific discipline they have opted for. Now, all this could have been avoided if right from the beginning, that is, I would think, right from 10th standard upwards. And since now, all knowledge about design is, is open source. People who wish to join design colleges should know something about design colleges, should know something about the design uh, disciplines themselves. And then, then join a foundation where foundation only becomes a place where you learn a lot about design and concretize what you have already have in your mind about which discipline you want to go to. Given the fact that you have only four years ahead of you, one can't reach the second year of, uh, of a design uh, college not knowing which discipline you really want to go in. All those people who get confused at that point in time, I, I don't think they really go ahead and do great. Of course, there are people who then learn and they probably are good students. But it's essential to be a good student. If, if somebody really wants to do industrial design you know, in all its depth, then one needs to have specific mindsets before you even think of joining industrial design. You can't come in with a thing, okay, I will do this, I will do that, and then willy-nilly, because you're one of those lucky few who are one of those 20 people who can get into a discipline, you got into industrial design by default. It doesn't work like that. And this, this uh, quota system for people uh, to join disciplines, I think is a very unfair system.
people who really wish to join industrial design, but for some reason they have been unable to because of these marks and grading and stuff like that. They have all, all, always feel, uh, felt frustrated in other disciplines. Now, there's another uh, major difference. When we studied design, because the, the learnings were very broad, our interests were very broad. When we left the college, like an idea and went out into the world, we never felt, uh, we never felt uh, that we were not prepared to do any kind of business. Except, of course, wherein when it came to uh, what was in those days called visual communication and now it's called communication design. Visual communicators, by virtue of their learnings and virtue of their interests, are obviously in the fields of industrial design, not technically adept. But even so, the students of those days had a familiarity with industrial design and the needs of industrial design. Today, it has become too compartmentalized. Generally, the visual designers don't know much about materials and technologies which right now they are not even emphasized. And people have become quite specific within their disciplines. And then you have broken it down into further smaller areas. And they, they have, those areas have again broadened out and become very, very large disciplines. For instance, animation. In, in our times, well, the, it was only in the year that I joined that an animation course was introduced. So some of your faculty who land up there at NID for animation, like Prakash Murthy, for instance, joined at the same time that I did. He came from an arts background and then he uh, worked somewhere or, and landed up at NID and he was the first batch of animators from there. Prior to that, the, the animators out there were faculty who studied, uh, who did faculty training at NID. They did animation specifically. They were sent for courses abroad. They came back and set up the department. And then only we had animation as a department. Now, but there have been other students who emerged from the field of uh, visual communication largely. And, and again, graphic designers who became extremely good animators, exhibition designers, uh, and visual designers at large. The thing is, a, a college like the NID of those times gave you that confidence that if you knew the design process, there is nothing that you cannot handle. The design process is fundamental. Anything else you want to know, you know the information is available. You know that you can work with teams to get your, your dreams uh, going. During my time, I have done dealt with a huge variety of jobs, including something which was very different from design. I did copywriting in an ad agency for quite some time and discovered I was very good at it. At some point later, I made two documentary films independently. Somebody asked me, can you make a documentary film? I said, yes. What was the confidence? I have never made a documentary film. I have never dealt with any editing suites, nothing. But I knew something about visual language. And why is that? Because during my time at NID, right from the first year to the time I left NID, one has seen hundreds and thousands of films at NID. At NID, every week you had a minimum of three films going. Sometimes you had films, three films per day when there were retrospectives held. Directors, big directors came and gave us talks and all of us used to attend those things. So with that, that kind of a background, I was very confident in being able to do a documentary film. I didn't have any specific learnings in, in film at all. 
we were all encouraged to uh, to you uh, to uh, take photographs we all had darkroom experience so we learned something from the fundamentals how chemicals worked how uh, images were formed what's the role of light and therefore and because all our cameras that time a lot of them were used in the manual modes everybody knew something about the technicalities of the machine itself so these kind of learnings make you confident enough to handle anything at any point in time once i started my professional work and specifically in the area of design itself i am an industrial designer who has done very hardly any work in the area of mechanical design or in what we would strictly call product design for instance i have not designed a, a, a hand shaver for instance but i have designed some extremely complicated structures structures that are seem uh, i mean if you look at them you'd wonder how they even standing up but these structures that i've designed have gone through storms and they have not fallen off now how did how did i even get that kind of a knowledge well because the fundamental learnings of nid were really good they emphasized a lot of common sense approaches to things and then i asked all the questions if i have to make something stand with this kind of wind forces then what are the what are the things that i need to know and once i did the common sense approach i took it to an engineer and he merely validated it he ran the whole structure through a, through a stress uh, software and they said yes this is going to work but i never ever studied anything about structure at any not the kind of structures i have done but the design process enable me to understand what are the needs of this this uh, these uh, these objects and i design accordingly then i realize and that's what why this title what i am still learning about design is that if you guys are really good at the design process thorough and you keep on working with the design process you will never have a problem in in coming to any solution because from the brief to your design statement everything is written right there all you have to do is follow that design statement if your design statement is correct your end result will be good and at every point you're going to be validating against this design statement going back and checking is it suiting this thing and then your product is definitely going to be good it cannot be an open ended thing a lot of people have asked me how do you conceptualize conceptualizing is not a matter of hard work and thought the hard work and thought comes at the point when you are when you are actually uh, collecting your information analyzing that information bringing it all together the collating that information and then you synthesize something out of that information from there on you come to your design statement now those are difficult tasks which require mental ability but conceptualizing is not about this mental ability it is about a creative ability that lies somewhere in the realm of dreams i always say don't hold on to your ideas when you hold on to your idea your idea becomes very narrow and small let those ideas float in the mind and if your research is good if your earlier processes are good these ideas coalesce and then you get that idea which is creative and it's a stroke of genius but if you work towards genius it is not likely that you're going to get those those wonderful ideas you have to free the mind and to free the mind then one's mind has to be at peace this thing this process of of creativity goes on all around in the head and some point it pops up now obviously 
for students and for professionals, there are always these deadlines of time. And that has to be kept much in focus. With all of you, and even the foundation to all of you guys who are now in profession, it is not good to stress over these things. Once you reach a, a kind of a, a state in your own mind, and that does take time. It's not something that you will discover in foundation. You're lucky if you do that in foundation, second year, third year and onwards, or even in the second year of your professional careers. It will come to you. It will come to you. Therefore, one should not think that once you have left NID, now that's the end of your learning and this is it. I have I've learned only so much at NID and I've not learned enough. It's a mistake. You have learned a lot of things in NID. How much ever you guys, how much, whatever inputs are there. It's only much later in your life that you begin to realize a few things. There's no ready-made designer who leaves a design college. Some may be extremely good and those are very rare people. Very, very rare. Largely people do muddle through and then they get into a slot and there they shine. So if you accept these things, then the pressures on yourself are going to be much decreased. There are times, it takes a certain amount of time for a certain design maturity to come. And people go on refining this and becoming more and more mature with time until they start, suddenly start realizing they're going the other way and become decrepit. That is also a natural process. But the prime of a designer doesn't come early. <coughs> It takes a little time and one has to necessarily ease out. Today, I do see a lot of people who are extremely, extremely involved in social, uh, gender and other issues. It's good to be involved in all these things. It is good to understand all these things. But to become overly emotional and then allow these things to affect your pers personality, now that would be a disservice to oneself. One can be passionate about things, but that passion should again translate into some active thought process which leads to some results. But those results will now never come out of, of an emotional approach to things. You have to step back and look at it from far away. Look at the whole perspective from a very, very distant viewpoint. And one begins to see the linkages and why things are the way they are. Then you begin to understand at what point if you intervene, you can make differences. But when you're within the situation and then try to try to uh, tackle this in this excessively passionate, emotional manner, it you, you don't succeed in what you want to get out. You have to step back. There has to be a certain rational approach to think. And therefore, design is that peculiar kind of a, a profession where both the, 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 uh, the rational and the creative exist together. And there's a balance that you guys will all find at some point in time. Some of you may have already found it. Some will take a little more time. Yeah. Do we? Yes. Uh, I think Piyush has some questions. Hi, sir. Yeah. So um, basically, like uh, most of what you spoke about, um, you know, about how uh, the whole grade system or uh, the grade system coming into the whole... Uh, uh, spotlight in terms of design education and uh, I guess like uh, most of us were a part of it and we also felt it and uh, you also spoke about how there are uh, the whole uh, process of new uh, 
designers joining institutes uh, how that is uh, you know most of them are like under informed or um, they do not they haven't done their research on the particular topic and now there is like an huge upsurge in terms of uh, self learning platforms that are out there that sort of give you courses on design thinking design process and it's also being taught in engineering schools and business schools uh, so my question was more towards with not only uh, about institutes but in general there are more and more uh, people from different professional backgrounds coming into the field of design and there is like this general feeling of uh, you know like that anybody can do our job uh, and uh, what my underlying question to that would also be that is design that easy that uh, anybody can do it and what sets us apart no no design is not an easy profession and that has to be understood see you guys have taken 4 years to reach where you have my course was 5 and so on and so forth now if it took 5 and a half years or 5 years or 4 years to understand a little bit about design then those people who don't come from design really actually don't understand much about design otherwise then we don't need design colleges ours is a specific discipline and it deals with people in the first place and then everything around that right and it has taken us this amount of time and it has taken design as a profession in india at least from the 60s till now to reach where it has reached and then suddenly you have somebody else coming and then formulating a prose or something and calling it design thinking giving it fancy names and then giving you a one week module and then saying that this is this is what it is now go ahead you're a designer Just to be, we did not even have a course called design thinking. Design thinking was something that was part of a design process, and whatever you develop from that is what you would call a thinking. And actually, to differentiate uh, this design thinking from what actually it is all about, I would rather use a broader term and call it design thought. Now, design thought is not something which is taught as a right. module to anybody. design thought is something that you develop over time and it takes years and years decades to to come up with your own design thoughts design thinking is a small little module and now because it has become a fashionable term and it has become the domain of management and they use it you see there is a general principle in in life i feel is when you want to to take possession of something then you occupy the highest position out there and sit on the mountain and guard your position against all things and then that position becomes solidified and then it becomes an entity in itself and that's exactly what has happened to this area of design thinking somebody some bright guy wanted to have this particular term and he came up with this term of design thinking which he thought is going to encompass a lot of things but it is only a little aspect of design design thinking has nothing to do with understanding human beings as they are it has nothing to do with empathy it has nothing to do with solid experience of materials feel uh intangible and abstract things it is 10 sentences which encapsulate the whole of a, a a kind of a thought process so i am very against the this general use of design thinking without knowing what it's all about and in companies 
you have people who come offer you small modules in design thinking. And this design thinking is offered to people who are not even designers. All kinds of people are offered this course, which enables them to probably think a bit like designers. A think a bit like. And then once they've done it, they get a certificate in this and say, I've got a certificate in design thinking. Now you will shift that man to the design department and that man is ultimately going to become a designer. He may or may not become a good designer at the end of it all. But that is disservice. In fact, we had somebody coming to us in UID itself from a very big corporate house saying that they will teach us design thinking. And they were going to be charging a huge amount when I calculated it out. Annually, they were going to be getting 1.2 crore rupees out of teaching designers design thinking, which I found absolutely ridiculous. A lot of people, engineering colleges, management co colleges offer these kind of courses because they think that it adds value to it. Because today, design has become a buzzword all over the place. But designers themselves know it deep in their hearts. This is not design. This is only one tiny little aspect of design. And in fact, the term design thinking shouldn't even be used in design colleges because now everybody knows design thinking as something else. But design colleges themselves would be doing disservice to their own profession if they are going to be talking like this. It's a hard job understanding things about design and coming up with, with solid uh, outcomes from design. And those things just don't emerge out of design. So a lot of dilettants are there. A lot of people who have done a couple of courses in, in design thinking. And they assume themselves to be designers. And designers have not fought the battle themselves. They themselves are using these, these terms design thinking and uh, and therefore doing disservice to this this very very deep and uh, huge body of knowledge you can't condense design that's what i was saying when it was five and a half years and we became the first five-year batch we protested how the hell is this possible now you guys are four years tomorrow what is going to happen it'll become a two-year input into something and then they will add other courses and then you become some kind of a designer within without enough depth even a four-year course doesn't allow you those, that depth. There has to be, it is, design is not just, it's not an additive process as we all know. There is this word synergy that we have always talked about, where one plus one is not two. One plus one can be anything. It is how it is put together that you get astonishing results. And there's always a human factor behind that. This inscrutable animal called the human being is made of all kinds of things. And there is no one little capsule that can teach you about design. So, Piyush, I hope that answers your question in, in some manner. Yes, sir. Yes. It uh, completely makes sense. Now, uh, another uh, <clears throat> follow-up to that was that uh, since the way uh, design thinking is being used in the corporate world, uh, right now, there is a concept of full-stack designers coming up, uh, mm. where there is an expectation that other than the design process and uh, what the corporate call as design thinking or mean as design thinking, mm. uh, other than that, you also have uh, the skills uh, to code or to basically take your idea from point A to point B, end to end. Mm. Uh, what do you think about that? It, because uh, one of the... Um, points against that is that um, you don't exactly need 
uh, full stack designers because you have you are going to be a part of a team it's not that design is going to exist in an isolated team working somewhere else so uh, what do you feel about that and right now i think that this is another question that is going on in a lot of um, young uh, designers mind when they're getting into the industry that okay if i'm getting into a field like ux so should i also know code to uh, differentiate myself in the industry so yeah, yeah. tell me piyush this word full stack comes from where I think it's again a corporate uh, tag. No, I think no, it comes uh, from a more uh, scientific uh, programming, isn't it? Full right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So now that is a tag, and it's a nice, fashionable tag to say full stack designer. Right. Designers, by and large should know a lot of things. And if coding is one of the things that one should know, designers should know about coding, they should know about various software. But they, those are not the core aspects of design. Designers need to know these things because they should be able to communicate with another party. You should be able to talk with familiarity. Right. Somebody else who's doing that work. But coding itself is a very specific learning and it takes years for anybody to become proficient in, in coding. It takes years for anybody to become proficient in management. Each are discrete disciplines, but we all need to have a common language to communicate. Today I'm talking to you in English, though there are people who probably understand a bit of English, bit of Telugu, Kannada and so on and so forth. But if, if there wasn't a common via media and that is English, then it becomes very difficult to communicate. So, if I give the example from, from industrial design itself, we have learned about materials, plastic specifically. We all are familiar with certain kinds of plastic, what are the basic types of plastic, what they generally use for and so on. But there are plastic engineers who have studied the same subject for five years and they've got a master's degree in plastic engineering and technology itself. Is it possible for a designer to know all the depth and detail of, of that subject? No. But if a designer goes to a plastic engineer and says, I want this done in plastic, then that person is going to laugh. What do you mean by plastic? Then one has to be very specific. At least have a, have a basic fundamental understanding of what the nature of plastics are. Then you become, you become you are able to communicate to that person. And that person is never going to be able to find loopholes in your argument. So as a designer, you have thought of the use of a particular plastic in a different manner. And you think that could work. Now it's your business to convince the rest of the team that it's going to work based on sound technical data. If you are not basing any of your arguments on technical data, then obviously you are at a disadvantage. So similarly, this can be extended to a lot of other fields. So you're going into an IT company. If you don't know certain technicalities of the IT company itself, then you're at a loss. If you're trying to explain to an expert in modeling and rendering and CAD without knowing anything about CAD, then you're at a loss. Design. So a full stack designer, if it means somebody who is totally technically proficient at these things, that, that doesn't work really. 
right. design just will teach you design and that is most important and at the heart of design is the user and today at the heart of design is the environment these are the two things that are most important right without these then you can't call yourself a designer even if you know coding if you know all the rendering techniques software and so on and so forth if you are interested certainly you may do hundreds of courses in it too to broaden your knowledge and at all times a broad knowledge is extremely good and if you're one of those naturals at it who knows who got coding pat it's extremely good one of the reason a lot of companies look for these kind of what they call full stack is because they are getting one one package deal where then you don't need to hire 10 other people to do the job it becomes cost efficient for them and therefore they become a lot more competitive so there is a demand for these kind of people. But these kind of people are rare. And it, it is not the general designer who goes in and becomes this kind of an expert. There are some people who do it also. They right. already have certain fundamental knowledge of all these technicalities. And they do brilliantly well. But that is not the purpose of design. If we are going that direction, then we are forgetting the purpose of design. Because ultimately, the purpose of design is to deal with the user and the environment around it. And by environment, I mean nature at large, the infrastructure around you, and how this user is going to impact upon all these things. Now, that is the central core of design. Anybody else who's saying something different has no idea about design itself. And that one has to be very clear about that. Today, if I were to go and join an IT company, I know nothing about coding. But I do know about problems if I open a website, in even even a uh, windows 10 at the moment there are a hell of a lot of problems there if i want to <coughs> if i want to uh, troubleshoot something by the time i'm able to troubleshoot and get it and then look at all those the guides and microsoft people helping you out and all it's a whole complicated process isn't there an easier way of doing it now there are people designers sitting within microsoft who've been working in all on these things all the time but have they actually made a big difference to windows 10 no well, then what the hell are those people doing out there? Right. If they haven't solved certain fundamental problems. If they haven't given you the easiest way to do it, why do I have to dig into 100 menus to get where I need to? That means they have not done their, their work at all. But I could, I could trouble, I could give them a critique <clears throat> and say, yeah, these are the problems an average user faces. How are you going to solve these things? So like my asking questions from the user level, then I coder can make those changes. And it's like right. you said, it's the teamwork. And it has to be a teamwork. Design has always been taught. Designers have always been they're working in teams. And that is that is in the essence of design. Right. You are not an all in all, yeah. While a designer is a generalist is largely one is not a technical expert in a hell of a lot of fields, neither in management, nor in coding, nor in IT fields. A designer is a designer. His role is specific. You should understand that designers' learning is very, very general. But where they are strong is that they are able to creatively conceptualize and find problems. That is, Those are our strengths. And then we come out with solutions, not sometimes by all by ourselves, but mostly in, in uh, conjunction with other professionals. Again, this the reason I asked you, where does this term come from? One sec.
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot for that, sir. Uh, so we have a few uh, people from the audience who have raised their hands. Uh, yeah. Pragati, would you like to go ahead? Yeah. Uh, am I audible? Yeah. Yes. So um, the point which I wanted to bring to the discussion was um, was regarding a conflict that exists between designing something or creating something or innovation, and then its implementation, which is related to policy level decision making or it's concentrated in the hands of the people who are sitting in those chairs so whenever it comes and this is something which i've personally faced and still continue to see when it comes to following a design process or when it comes to um, taking in um, regards there are different aspects of a problem and then coming towards a solution yes definitely design plays a huge role over there and I personally really believe in the concept of collaborating. But even after that, when you've collaborated and when you have done all your research and you think that this is a solution, you know, which if given a push, if brought to an implementation level, has the potential to address a lot of problems, then the problem that arises is that the loopholes which exist on the policy level, you know, maybe the uh, people who are sitting there do not understand these nuances of uh, design thinking or when we say about emotions, you know. So, for example, if you're talking about a social issue, be it education or be it sustainability, and there are people who are from the grassroots level who have a solution to the problem, but then that is not being passed because people on the policy making level are not, you know, in adjunct with what that is, what what they're saying. They are like, no, no, um, you know, maybe some of it comes from money, some of it is driven by funding and all these little, little hidden aspects of things makes it even more difficult for a designer or for a design team in general to take their solutions forward. So in that aspect, I want uh, maybe to shed some light. How can we, uh, so like, you know, maybe some of us are able to sail through that. Some of us uh, believe, ki, okay, you know, eventually things will take place. Eventually people will understand. But a lot of freshers, a lot of people who are filled with zeal in the design field, eventually they end up becoming sublime. They're like, no, no, you know what, just, just forget it. This won't work, you know. Let's just focus on our jobs. Let's just, let's just make money. This is not going to work. And then eventually we see a shift from more um, problem-solution-driven, more uh, change-driven mindset to a more, you know, corporate mindset. So um, I think... Um, when you try to understand these larger problems, yeah. Like, let us say you said that, uh, say a crafts. Uh, uh, let's take an example of some craft. You have come come out with some innovation in that craft, which which makes you feel that that is going to benefit the the craftsmen and the use and so on and so forth. Mm. And then you get some resistance from above. Yeah. You to understand where this resistance comes from. Yeah. If you are able to figure out that this is because of funding, this is because of making and all that, then it's the designer's role. And it's very important for the designer then so to, to be able to justify their point of view based upon the requirements of the people above. Many a time, if it is the financial implications of things, if they say money is the consideration, at the end of it, by doing this thing, we should get this much money. Now, that is a design problem for you. Working with your own 
like as uh, till vikram sir joins back like uh, this is a, a pretty interesting point of discussion where you know you think of the monetary benefits and also you would need to do something socially responsible and there uh, what is you know um, um blocking you to go forward and is it blocking you so much to go forward you like at least from your experience prakriti yeah 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 no please continue no, no i was asking you so uh, um, personally uh, have you felt this being a major you know blocker in terms of your even your design think like you know thought processes that you know yes you know to be honest like how we we are tuned to work like when wiki was constantly um pressing on the importance of design process you know that's how we've all been uh, taught and i till date continue to polish the design process but when it comes to actually working uh, on a project which is um, to address a social issue or things like that in india specifically most of these problems are governed by the funding agencies you know or the government agencies now over there the design process which we as designers follow or which we know will give us ultimate solutions is not how it is quite followed you know the design brief keeps changing there there is no term as design brief that exists to be honest what i have experienced so it keeps changing on a daily basis based on what the funding agency feels should be done and i guess that's that's something which not is not really just in um, correlation to the project but also in correlation to how the situation of the country is being so let's say um today the situation the covid situation is going down because the people are like okay maybe you know, like we can start focusing on other things also then they'll be in a mindset to accept more and more problems then they'll be in a mindset to make more discussions then tomorrow some other problem arises there like some economic crash has happened or something has happened they're like no 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 we don't have funding let's just push it let's just finish it off so that's where the people on the design team the people who are working on the core problem part of it that's where the problem arises for them that no matter how hard they try if everything is being governed by the funding agency or whoever the policy maker is then what is the use of putting their minds through so much um, you know going through all that all those uh, steps of a design process so that's what i was trying to get at and i i i am i am personally actually facing this issue so i thought maybe um, you know we can have some discussions on how we as a community can address this yep true uh, because there is always that side of uh, uh, the design uh, in which uh, really uh, i think i have also come across the same where i really want to do something but then uh, the monetary side of it uh, you know stops me from doing it so that is there i completely agree with your thing i think uh, vikram says back no no actually i agreed with what she said i think indranil has something to say yeah indranil yeah indranil go ahead go ahead yes so i had to i i wanted to ask vikram sir it is actually a, a am i audible yeah, yeah so my question was a follow up question to what uh, piyush was asking regarding you know design thinking 101 and uh, why uh, people think that uh, anyone can do a designer's job so i think it has to do a lot with the lack of uh, awareness of design and i mean since uh, the introduction of design education in india which was more than 50 years ago why is there still a gap uh, uh, between people and them understanding what uh, design actually is and uh, why do people think when a, a graduate designer you know when he says that i am a designer 
why do people consider like why do people think that he he might be a fashion designer or a web designer and when would government and uh, the other organization be it any organization be uh, could actually start deploying designers for what they actually do which uh, vikram sir talked about which was the process and thinking part of it so so that that was great initiative by the way midun and thanks for you know inviting vikram sir it's always great to you know hear from him and yeah uh, any time in the midland uh, we are planning to bring a lot of more people uh, who are experts and you know who have uh, kind of veterans in this industry so that all of us uh, like we are also new passers in a way and we get a good understanding of what it is and there are a lot of people out there who really want to do uh, you know um you know uh, at least it's something to give back to society or at least to see design grow as a um, bigger and more responsible you know set of uh, yeah i think uh, we have vikram sir so you're on mute yeah can you hear me now yeah 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 yes. audible yeah i will i heard the question that uh, who was it suyash was asking was it uh, indranil at the okay. end yeah and uh, before that uh, i was uh, talking uh, a little more on what pragati was uh, talking yeah yes. yeah so pr- pragati one thing which is very important is yeah. for designers themselves and it's taken designers a very very long time to reach this point designers yeah. by the virtue of what we learn and how we been taught we are rather gentle and non aggressive people yeah we tend to listen to a lot of viewpoints and then and then quiet and remain quiet and analyze and think whereas you take the typical management person that management person has to be has been taught to be a very aggressive person and put forth their viewpoints very forcefully yeah so with kind of learnings that management and marketing and allied disciplines have had what has happened that management takes leadership positions on in every situation yeah now the so what happens is management marketing and all these guys they wherever it is they have the ideas and they ask the designer to implement the ideas so right. this notion that designers are mere implementers of things and in that in and i tend to call this kind of a situation that designer is a filipino in the sense that we are all back back end workers who somebody throws the work onto us the idea comes from elsewhere that idea is thrown onto us and we just develop that idea and take it forward yeah. now this is is not a fault of the management or anybody else this is a fault of design education itself right where a designer has never been taught to be a leader if you go to management textbooks Mm. you will find that there are specific inputs into how to persuade people how right. to manipulate situations how to sell things whereas we don't have it as designers we don't have it now the use of the word manipulation may be a a a, a derogatory or a negative kind of a use right. but manipulation by itself is how do you turn around the situation that is beneficial to to oneself yes so how do we do that 
so that means design education should teach designers that they are the leaders we are the people with ideas of course the management has ideas marketing has ideas everybody else has ideas but we are also people with ideas right so therefore we have to become those people we have to become leaders now mm-hmm. where we become subservient is when you look at a job application and you say that the the, the person is required to have skills in coral draw photoshop this that and everything yeah not talking about this the real skills that the designer possesses that of conceptual ability that of yeah. thought then don't take those jobs the minute you take that kind of a job you have made yourself subservient to somebody else and i am very sad to also note that a lot of design companies themselves ask for these kind of people the True. reason they ask for these kind of people is because the in that design company the bosses of the company are the people with the ideas mm. all the employees are merely these back end people who are little better because they have gone through a four year design course but what they want is actually somebody who is good at photoshop which they could have taken a guy from any dtp institution arena mm. multimedia etc etc but they like a designer because the designer will do a slightly better job as a understanding of design so design companies themselves perpetuate this class of people who will remain at that back end level yeah it cannot happen anybody who leaves graduates from a design college has to have this confidence in their own abilities of thought and then work on that and take that forward in all these years of design in india we have reached this particular situation see when i uh, during my time yeah there weren't enough companies employing designers because all design was copied from the west or from any other country yeah you were doing retro you were just uh, copying and then rebuilding from scratch so there was no need to hire a designer to do that and therefore almost all the designers set up their own design companies secondly the attitude of designers at that time was that we don't want to be under anybody we don't want to be dictated upon dictated to so designers set up their own companies plus the kind of lifestyles that we have led in design colleges never allowed us to go into a kind of a corporate situation yeah so most of the people set up their own thing lot of them went into teaching but those companies have become very big design companies in india and now they are employing designers some of them give the designers the freedom of thought that they themselves had other people use designers as dtp people yeah so you go through linkedin you will find all these these companies asking for people who are skilled they should be exceptionally skilled in this 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 anybody who makes the mistake of taking a job with that company is doomed to remain as a back end person and never will sit will lead the design team yeah so that's where it is so we have problems within our own fraternity mm. all I design can... colleges should emphasize on this that designers should take up leadership positions designers should always reject these jobs that say you be that skills are the most important software ability is the most important mm. leave that don't take that 
you blaze your own trails and if you have done your studies well then you should become trailblazers and that's what design education is all about you are striking new paths that's one thing about leadership i wanted to tell you so it is part of the problem and because we are not leaders then we are never policy makers yeah i guess a lot of it comes from the fact that we wait for uh, openings to come or you know hiring calls to come and then we go ahead with you know making our contacts rather than ourselves you know reaching out to people and then creating our own uh, positions in the companies i guess that is something which could be um, taught to a lot of people and secondly do you think courses like design management um, should get more weightage and more um, importance when it comes because we had design management and i uh, personally like we i didn't do remember like some tad bits of it but not as something i genuinely paid attention to and now i realize it was something i should have paid more attention to you see when your course is four years yeah and de- design education itself the the specific courses for design itself are so many then always it is becomes that design and management ip issues etc etc are all introduced early as two week courses yeah yeah true okay yeah now it can't be otherwise because if you give more weightage to this then it will be at the expense of any other part of design right right therefore the two week modules should rather not emphasize upon the process of management but tell you the teach you the attitude towards management right yeah then if you know the attitude towards management once you go out into the corporate world or wherever you go you will be able to apply that attitude and then learn about what what you have to do within management practices yeah if you come to research in foundation there should be enough of a weightage given to research because it's essential mm. we all of us do a very superficial kind of research yeah and research itself is not seen as one of those glamorous parts of design mm-hmm. yeah but that attitude should be changed people should be able to research something because if you look at any of the peer research papers which other people write on different subjects yeah it is very deep there are enough citations enough peer reviewed citations so on and there's a methodology that is followed yeah but for those people to have reached that stage they have gone through they have done redone this thing so many times whereas in design we don't have the time to do that kind of work but yeah. yes if the if in foundation itself the ground is laid where people re- are made to understand that in depth research factual searches references are very important then you are able to support your ideas so tomorrow when you are presenting something to a policy maker mm. if you give a very superficial and a weak document to that person he'll just throw it into the waste paper basket Absolutely. but somebody from a different discipline will be able to present a major document to yeah. that person and everything is justified and validated procedures are followed the way you done the research is something that that person understands that document is going to get greater weightage than a very fancy beautiful presentation by a designer yeah that's true so there are a lot of intrinsic problems and some of these cannot be solved i think they just have to be the viewpoint has to change that is what has to happen just by giving you a management input management methodologies methodologies of research doesn't work at all 
it is the attitude that has to be created and that will bring us to another point of culture that if we have some more time later we can talk about that also very important thing exactly sir yeah yeah but indranil you had something <clears throat> what was Hi, it sir. you were asking am i audible yeah yes uh, thank you sir Th- uh, uh, it's great to hear from you always so my uh, question was a follow up with what piyush had asked uh, and about uh, i'm sorry yeah so my uh, question was a follow up regarding what piyush had asked about design thinking 101 and uh, if uh, pe- people think that uh, anyone can do a designer's job so i think that has to do with the lack of awareness of uh, design as a whole in india but uh, my question was why is where is the discrepancy exactly and why have uh, people still not come to an understanding of what a, a designer actually does you know with 50 more year 50 plus years of introduction of design education in india since nid why people still think that designer is someone who does fashion design or does uh, web design and when will these stereotypes go and when will uh, organizations at any level no matter what they do uh, start actually deploy- deploying deploying uh, designers to what uh, a designer should do as far as t- uh, design thinking and design processes concerned in uh, say around when i was in third year of nid of 1987-88 or so the nift was started okay now nift did within 2 years what nid couldn't do in the 27 years of its existence at that time mm-hmm. what nift did very cleverly was to advertise itself and make itself known in all newspapers in all forms of media at that time so within 2 years nift became well known in the country better known than nid itself and it was a very very clear differentiation it was because of the promotion of of nift itself the lady who was there instantly was also the wife of one of the directors of nid at that time but she seemed to be a very savvy lady as far as media was concerned so every other day there was news in the paper about nifts oh and they did a great job nid has largely not done something like that to explain itself so even today the questions that people are asking and you mention it sometimes why do people only think of fashion design when people talk about design is the same question that my my mother asked me at that time or other people during my time asked me what are you doing are you doing there were two things they asked are you doing fashion design are you doing dye design because dye okay. design is a very old field it has been hundreds and hundreds of years old and people knew that term dye design and therefore they thought i was doing dye design dye meaning i'm not talking about the dyes for uh, for dyeing cloth cloth i'm talking about the dyes for creating cast iron products or any of those things that was mm-hmm. what their idea of dye was and that has not significantly changed over the years even though there is so much of design that is seen around the place and today we have ability to find out about design at the tap of your uh, for keyboard but that is something that institutions themselves have to follow there's another little complicated problem here this area of placements 
during my time there was nothing like placement when you train a designer the designer had to be confident enough to go and find themselves jobs and in those days there were no jobs so did we cry about it no we did our own thing in fact one didn't even want to get into these companies that were offering jobs but today placements has become a very important thing and all institutions are rated on the number of placements they 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 have so tomorrow if mm. there are 100 people from nid who are placed in various companies then nid is rated high higher than somebody else who doesn't place anybody so parents and students look at these placements and treat that as the end and be all of everything and they they go into those colleges now these colleges that do placements they have another burden now they have to sustain this placement level so what do they do they place their students in any old company therefore they will place their students in companies that are offering back end jobs and then if if it be a tcs or if it be any other big company they say our students have joined tcs what exactly they are doing in tcs is totally unknown whether do they are doing what designers are supposed to be doing or whether they are doing what dtp people are supposed to be doing that doesn't matter but you have placed your students in tcs and when parents see yeah. that the students have been placed in tcs they are very happy and they say oh our students are going to tcs what exactly are they doing they may be even earning fine but is that what they are supposed to have been doing is that what design taught them to do is that what their future is so the institutions themselves have created one whole bunch of students who will fit into these kind of places which means today you have institutions emphasizing that you need to take uh, have this free photoshop right from your first year onwards and the companies <laughs> will come and they will sell you that software also because for the companies it's not they don't care whether you learn photoshop or not they have care they care that they have sold their products and they made a million bucks and hooked another whole generation of people who think that photoshop or whatever the software is the only way of being a great designer right i remember there was uh, kenneth grange who was the head of pentagram one of the largest design firms in the world he landed up there at nid and he was showing us some of his work what he did was he came here and he just made a small little scribble on a piece of paper that was merely a concept and later on that scribble went on and it became a very big thing but what was the process from that scribble to that end there was one guy who did that work took that scribble then refined it put it into all the software i mean those days no software put it in made renderings etc etc but at every stage kenneth grant sat there with that person and saw that whatever he had in his mind whatever that scribble was in his mind was ultimately what came out a beautiful little product at the end of it all did kenneth grant know photoshop and the multiple rendering softwares that that we all are supposed to be learning no but what did he have he had that concept so that is it institutes generally are killing themselves by doing all this placement business and parents demand placements students demand placements students demand placements right from the time they enter they want to know how they what they're going to be what their future career is going to be how much they're going to be earning all this thing you check out on the net you will find all these things who is earning what how what are the level what does a graphic designer do who does what everything is there 
it's not a question that you need to really ask other people and uh, in forums like this. It's all there for everybody to figure out. But that individual should know what their aptitude, what their interest is. Do they want to do this or do they want to do something else? If money becomes the only criterion by which you judge a career, then you're doing disservice to yourself. So, see, Indranil, that question you asked, no? is a very, very old and complicated thing. And these are all the reasons why it has led to that. If NID had promoted itself in the correct manner at the right time, then our people's idea of design would have changed. How did I know that there was a place like NID? When I was in 9th standard or 10th standard, 9th standard, I guess, there was a beautiful American magazine that was published called Span. And they had a two, three page article on NID the new schools of or in India, what people were doing. And it was fascinating to me to see that, oh, there's something like this. Otherwise, I would have gone for medicine, engineering, or any of the traditional thing. But because that thing stuck in my mind at that time, that down the years, when that NID ad came out, then I said, ah, this is the same place. And I applied and got it. Did I even think of what I'm going to be doing after I finish my course. Did I ask whether I'm going to get placed, which companies, nothing. It was brilliant and it was wonderful to even think about joining that kind of a place which offered that kind of education. And sure, it was not a bad choice. I never ever regretted having joined a place like NID. It totally overturned and changed my perception of the world and everything else. There was so much to learn. that There was never a moment that I didn't learn totally immersed in it that it became, NID itself became like a second skin. And sometimes that can be very unhealthy too when it, when that, that happens. And it was unhealthy for me in some ways. But yes, but what I learned from that place, what I read, what I experienced was stunning, which I would have never ever got that opportunity anywhere else. Now that itself was a privilege. Now what I made of myself after leaving NID, that is a different thing. That entirely depends on the individual. There will always be some, some people who fall by the wayside. There will always be some people who rise. But today the world has got enough opportunity for designers to go and sit in almost any kind of field. Provided they are good. Provided they believe in themselves. Provided they have these leadership abilities. Hi, sir. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, yeah. Madhan. No, so, uh, again, uh, now it again comes back to something like, you know, establishing a design culture within the institute itself or wherever you learn. Because uh, at the end, when uh, when we are approached by anyone outside of a design uh, field and they ask, you know, what do you do for four years? So, what uh, you know, what is the actual learning that is happening? So, uh, but we feel that, you know, um, the, uh, the self-taught designers out there and... Um, you know, what, what is the major differentiation factor that is coming into people who have actually, you know, gone through four years of course. And I personally feel that there should be, there is a huge difference in um, how we even think whenever we hear something. And our thought process is basically that's something that, uh, you know, makes us apart from them. But uh, translating those two, uh, you know, uh, the people who are there is a question mark. And uh, also, and this is where I feel during these four years, we need to be 
you know uh, engaged in lot of other activities in a way that you grow yourself as a designer for that i really feel you know trusting upon the whole you know design culture or an effective design culture within an institute or a group of people who are actually interested in design this uh, so a set of things that we could follow which can actually make us better you know during this course rather than just courses or uh, you know reading or rec- from uh, recorded uh, publications yeah it's a big discussion method uh, there are see uh, all you seniors have been asking questions are there anybody else who has uh, somebody else raised their hand somebody who's just joined foundation yeah i think adi adi kaush yeah yeah let's give him out hi 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 sir hi so uh, when you were talking about uh, leadership positions and uh, being an effective designer or um, an effective innovator in in leadership leadership position parallelly also when you were talking about this uh, currently saturated oversaturated world of skill sets being you know like what skill set do you have to offer in 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 a world like that uh, do you think for a person to be a leader uh, and an effective innovator in the same time do you think these skill sets matter like to be a good designer in yeah, a leadership let me just uh, st- uh, i mean look at your question there is word innovator that you are using yeah why do you use the word innovator what does it mean so uh, like i have also been asking myself this question for a very long time and i have not been very firm about what i really you know have to conclude on a uh, like on the term innovator when faced with these kind of questions one of the simplest ways is to look at the dictionary definition of these things yeah. who is an innovator okay so you will have an idea what what innovation means now innovation is something that anybody does anybody can be an innovator therefore by default a designer is also an innovator but the designer is prime the innovation part is only one of the things that the innovator that the designer does so in my own uh, vocabulary i don't use this word innovator so much innovation so much these are terms which are widely used everywhere else within design itself innovation and all these terms come within design just like design thinking is a small little part of design innovation is another part of design creativity is another part of design and then it has a hell of lot of 10 different departments all these things are there so forget forget this word innovator you are anyway if you are doing something creative and different you are an innovator by default even you don't even need to study design to be an innovator there are hundreds and hundreds you have grassroots innovators and so on and so forth all, but all of them cannot be called designers they can be called innovators certainly they can be called people who do jugad certainly but they are not designers design is an established profession world over and one has to be proud of being part of this this profession it is like equating uh, the doctor a super specialist with a quack or uh, uh, somebody else who who is good at their work who does their work but they are not doctors they don't have the specialized knowledge they don't have the specialized skill set they don't have this vast experience they don't have the study to do it please be very very proud of the fact that you're all designers don't even call yourself an innovator you are a designer if you call yourself a designer an industrial designer a visual communicator whatever but you are a designer now then you are already moving 
one step ahead. Okay. Now, if you wish to re reframe your question, how would you do that? So, if I would reframe my question, it would be for a person in leadership position, um, trying to be an efficient designer, do you think uh, these skill sets of communication matter? Like the software skill sets? Social communication or generally communication? The ability uh, to communicate an idea. I mean, the uh, the expertise of, uh, I'll just simplify it, the expertise of softwares, let's say. Yeah. So I've mentioned that before also in the same discussion. You have to know software. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can be proficient at some forms of software. There's no need for you to be proficient in all the software possible. One. You should be able to do something. If you want to present an idea well, then you will, you will use certain presentation techniques to present your idea well. It is very important. In our times, we, we did hand rendering. Now, there are people who are extremely good at their hand rendering. Exceptional, in fact. Similarly, you'll have people who are exceptional at software skills. But if tomorrow your boss tells you that he wants an idea and he wants it in three, in just another two hours, by the time you render something, you lost that time. It takes time. Everybody assumes that computers speed up work and that everything can be done in five minutes. It is not possible. Any job will take a minimum of three hours if you're sitting on it continuously. And then it can go on more. But your boss wants you to have an idea immediately. How are you going to communicate that idea? Can you, you fall back on all your skills of rendering to deliver that idea? I don't think it's possible. But can you do a sketch to present that concept? And then that person say, huh, this is what, uh, this is quite interesting. Now let us take it further. That's when all the other skill sets come in. Now, if you were that conceptual person who, like Kenneth Grange, the head of Pentagram, has that idea, mm. then he would just take another person uh, and into confidence say, you're the rendering person. This is my idea. Do it. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're the only designer in that place, then the onus will be on you to deliver that particular thing. Then you have a wide choice of things. You may be a specialist in, in uh, Photoshop. You may be a specialist in fusion. You choose your medium and, and deliver what has to be done. Because if you don't deliver, then you're out of the company. But why are you there in that particular company which doesn't have all the backup? Because you have chosen to be in that company. You have chosen to be in a place where you are expected to be the generalist and deliver all kinds of things. It's a choice that you made. If you didn't have that particular choice, you would have been in a different company where there are people who do this work, where you become the thought person. The designer is a thought person, essentially. Yes, the designer should have certain skills. Today, my only skill in the software domain is a certain amount of proficiency in Photoshop, which I have only used professionally to, uh, to edit some photographs, cut up things and add things in layers. The other thing which I use for my fast work is Coral Draw. People don't use Coral Draw, I use Coral Draw. And I found that whenever I've done something in Coral Draw, it presents the essence of the idea pretty well. It is not a 3D software, it's a 2D software. But I'm able to give the impression of a 3D look using this 2D software. And it's been good enough. In all my professional work, that has worked for me. But where I find I need a little more detail, then I in my office, I had employed people who were good at 3ds max 
So I just scribble something, or I did the basic thing in Corel Draw, and Corel Draw is very useful because I do all my dimensioning right away. And I give it to those guys, and they put in the fancy backgrounds. They give you the the three D views and whatnot. Yeah, I have never felt uh, the during at least my professional career where I ran a company that I needed to know this. But today, when I don't have that, I'm not running a company anymore. I'm sitting as a private consultant. Sometimes I feel I should have learned 3D talk. Hmm. Mind block. I don't even feel like learning it. So I'd like to give it to somebody else to do it. And those people may or may not have the time to do it. But it's a skill. That is not the end of the design world. You're right. What it is not. Can you find the people to do things? Hmm. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Thank you so much. Yeah. And is there any other other thing before we go on to this big issue of culture? Sir, I would like to add something to what you just said and to Adit's question. Am I audible? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you know Adit, uh I think that a designer is someone who has a role in the uh, entire ecosystem of a project. So be it research, uh, be it production or be it post production. So a designer in is involved in a lot of uh, these things from uh, beginning to end. So when you ask about softwares, it is yes, it is like definitely good to have a few softwares on your portfolio, not only because you will be working in those, but also because you uh, understand uh, the deliverable and the time required uh, to create something in those softwares. So for instance, when Piyush says that uh, there, there are these openings for full stack designers, so what that, what that means is the organization wants you to know uh, the digital product ecosystem. So you, they want you to basically know uh, how much time is required for uh, the research and uh, actually uh, making the UI, UX, whatever, and the deployment of that thing, which concerns coding and everything, what all the, you know, the software and the developers do. So it is always better to have a bit of knowledge. And there is this wor word that Vikram sir keeps saying, which is eclectic. So one should, you know, be always be uh, open to these things and be it softwares or be it reading, and one should uh, get oneself accustomed to a broad variety of things, be it, uh, you know, if you are a UX designer, you can watch films, or, you know, it, it, just, it just doesn't need to be what you do, but to have uh, your interests in a broad variety of things uh, on your palette. So if you think, in those terms, yeah, software uh, do matter not only because uh, you need to work in them, but you uh, understand the uh, other things uh, of management like timeline, etc. So yeah, that's what I wanted to add. Okay. Uh, my primary concern of asking that question was actually like software is just uh, an example of the skill sets uh, a designer can have. But uh, the primary uh, point of view was that to be in, in a position that is constantly, just like you rightly said, that's constantly involved in all the phases of a product development. Uh, 
there are not uh, like the number of skill set required are so many that one cannot be an expert uh, practically of all the all the particular skill sets so how does a, a designer approach that 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 was my point of view which is like which i quite uh, got the answer for uh, thank you so much yeah a designer at all times is a generalist right there are certain specific uh, areas you may specialize in when you say you have specialized in product design because uh, in my time i i studied industrial design but i got a specialization in product design because at that time there were certain grants given to establish a furniture design studio so there was a separate furniture design discipline but then we product designers or we industrial designers always felt that furniture design is something any industrial designer if he is a good designer they will use the same process to come to approach a furniture design process so you what does furniture design really need uh, need you need certain material knowledge you need certain knowledge about the technicals of things which is the same things which an industrial designer by and large will learn so that's what uh, doe is doing at the time he studied industrial design as a subject he's doing furniture design that doesn't mean that doe is only going to be doing furniture design all his life at some point he'll say i want to design a car at that point in time it is his concept that matters he's going to design an entirely new different vehicle that concept becomes a big thing then you want the technicals of it there are always a team which will help you do that thing but you can never become a specialist in car design just by learning industrial design it is a little more specialized task but you can always come up with concepts of all kinds even without having specifically studied car design or furniture design or ceramic design in my time ceramic designers obviously ceramic designers deal a lot of form because they are largely dealing with aesthetic products now ceramic design has gone very high tech and there are a lot of other things made with ceramics themselves but the ceramic designer was slightly distinguished from the average product uh, product or industrial designer because they study the material very deep but that doesn't mean an industrial designer can't do that job of a ceramic designer and when they do that job then they will go into more specialized learnings and and they will work with a team who will tell them okay these are the materials that you could use but if you are already a specialized ceramic designer obviously your job becomes a little easier so this categorization came because of these things at some point in time later on nid had some grants to set up an automotive design studio there was one grant which enabled them to set up a a, a a a studio or a workshop for specially for designing carriages in the in for railways and they got a big grant and when you get grants of a couple of crores or 20 crores you don't sneeze at those things so you say let's let's set up a department then there was a masters degree course in photography also which they set up now photography is another part of design everybody learns photography or we used to learn photography at that time what is the need to set up another spe specialized course in photography and that to at a masters degree level where the people who were coming into that uh, course were not necessarily designers because they knew certain things there so there were people coming in from all kinds of disciplines and in two years you don't really learn photography especially with such a specialized course so the demands of institutions the demands of the of uh, other departments which give you money is and all are very different they have money start another course start another course one shouldn't really think too much about those things you should be good like i emphasize 
at your design process. You should know a lot about everything. Then when some problem is thrown at you, whichever field it may be, you will go into it and you will do justice to it. So, Mithun. Yes, sir. Coming to your, your question of culture. Yes, sir. It's, if it is okay to uh, okay for you to extend? It's okay for everybody because, because people may want to leave, people may have other things to do. You can keep the general opinion of people are interested because this is a little longer discussion and it, you, people may want to talk about it also. Sure, sir. Yeah, it, that's why uh, I think uh, this will be a very uh, um, eye-opening discussion for all of us who are here. Yes, please. So, oh, one thing is... Yeah, you could poll it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are setting that up. We are setting that up. <laughs> Meanwhile, while you set up your polls and all that, one thing is very important for all designers to, uh, to look into is the early history of NID. And why NID was set up at the time it was set up and why it was set up as an institution it was set up. And I would think throughout the history of design in India, how many other new colleges come up, everybody will go back to NID. And that is that is something that everybody will face at some point in time. NID was set up at that time. And it what I was saying is that it's important for people to, to read those documents. One is the Eames report. It's called the India report. There's an Eames report. There's an, and I don't know whether it's the same report called the India Report, written by Charles and Ray Eames at that time. And there are other documents which came out at the same time, which people should read. Now, while they did talk about the kind of disciplines that Emerging India needed, and they thought that design was one such discipline that Emerging India needed. And in a sense, that, that uh, conversation faltered along the time, because if that big was so important, then we should have had a Ministry of Design at this stage. Now, NID was set up as an institution that was quite different from all institutions because at that time they realized that to teach design, one cannot teach design in the same way that is mandated by the AICT or UGCs or any other educational institutions of that time. Therefore, NID was set up under the Ministry of Industry, which circumvented all the requirements of educational institutions. Therefore, you didn't have rankings and gradings and so on and so forth. And which was the primary reason that all NID students of that era got only diplomas. Because it did not come under UGC or AICT norms. Now, this diploma thing became a disadvantage at some point in time. And even at that time. Because people would ask, oh, what is your son doing? Oh, he's doing, he's studying design. So what is he going to get after that? is going to get a diploma in design. Oh, diploma. Because diploma at that time under the UG system was always considered inferior. Only people from IITs, ITIs, Indian training institutions, then they went forward, did some other course and they got diplomas in it. And those people were always the second grade workers. Those people who got degrees were considered the superior people. Which may or may not be true, but that was the situation at that time. And it is the situation at this time. Today, the requirements for this degree are more because people want to go abroad. And what is the parity between a diploma offered by any institution and the 
and the MDs or BDs of, of uh, global institutions. Therefore, these changes happen within the NID system that, that people start getting degrees in design. But these degrees in design are not offered under the UGC system. They are degrees in design offered under the DIPP, which is not an educational organization. It is industrial promotion, industrial production and promotion or something like that. They are offering this degree, which they have equated it as comparable to something else abroad. So today what has happened, all those people who got their diploma in the early days of NID, they have got what is called a parity certificate that establishes that five years of diploma at NID of the, those times is equivalent to an MDIS degree. But all those people who got those diplomas in those or in those uh, times are people who are anyway working and doing their own things. So it doesn't make a difference to them whether it is an MDIS or it still remains a diploma because they have established themselves. And I have never felt in my entire life that it made a difference to me whether I had a degree or a diploma. It was my work that spoke at all times. I don't even have a website. My company had a website out of which we have hardly got any inquiries. All our inquiries came by word of mouth and by people seeing our work on the ground. And then when we went to a new client, we presented a portfolio of all our work. That was enough. Nobody ever asked me, oh, what did you study? And of course, if people did ask and I said NID, people were amazed and impressed with that thing. Oh, NID. That itself opened a lot of doors. But this question of whether it was diploma degree didn't matter much. So NID was a very different kind of an institution. But it was set up in a very different manner. In the sense that while the philosophy of the institution, the, or rather not while, the philosophy of the institution emphasized as much upon building a person rather than only making that person an industrial designer or a visual communicator or any of the allied fields. NID built people. And to that end, what they taught us was more than design. They made us people who are interested in all kinds of things. They exposed us to all kinds of things. They exposed us to all kinds of people. They exposed us to all kinds of pressures. And that was part of the NID system to put students under pressure of various kinds. NID deliberately had ambiguity built into its educational system. And this ambiguity helped people over time clarify their own thoughts about what they are, where they're going, what their profession is. Without that ambiguity being built into it, we wouldn't have become the kind of people we did. Today, what has happened because of shortened time span, ambiguity is treated as, as a negative thing. We don't have the time to reflect. And therefore, we, have, we don't have the time to deal with ambiguity and the abstract. Whereas we had time to do a lot. So the NID culture was one culture and because also the fact that there were only 240 students overall in my times, it became established to, uh, I mean, easier to establish a kind of a composite culture of that place. And that culture had something to do with the relationship that students had with each other. That culture had something to do with the relationships that students had with their faculty and vice versa. And therefore, for whatever reason, good or bad, we called our faculty by their first names, which was a very, very shocking thing for a lot of us who came from smaller towns or for anybody for that matter, whether they came from smaller towns, liberal families, big city, whatever it was. 
to be able to call your faculty by their first names was a big shock. And that was actually a culture shock for most people. Which I don't know in retrospect whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. But it established a certain kind of a life out there. The other thing that happened was that all students were given the freedom to question everything. And you had certain institutionalized processes by which you did that. One of them was called the consultative forum, which happened three or four times every year. In a consultative forum, anybody could ask any question, be it on the culture of the place, the social relationships of the place, the education of the place, why things were the way they were, and faculty was expected to answer these questions. Now, that particular feature of NID was a fantastic thing because it gave people the ability to ask these deeper questions that they needed to know something about. It gave people the confidence to be able to ask questions without feeling that they're going to be shouted down or critiqued. So people asked all kinds of questions. Of course, there were people who asked stupid questions, but even those questions were answered. So in that sense, it was a very, very democratic kind of a place. Today, when people ask questions, they're shot down immediately. Because one is that that culture has disappeared. The culture of openness is very, very important to design. Unless you're open, you cannot, you cannot develop new things. Designers, by virtue of their particular talents, are very, very different kind of people. They are idiosyncratic people. Everybody follows their own paths within the greater framework of design. Everybody has their own ways of getting out there. But what has happened now is a homogenization of this thing. That everybody is expected to behave in certain ways, to reach certain goals, to get certain grades, to be able to fulfill the requirements of your course abstracts and objectives, to be able to fulfill the requirements of the institutional frameworks. So it is very mutually contradictory that you take a bunch of mavericks and then try to dumb them down and streamline them. And then at the end of it, you will get one whole bunch of people who are fairly similar. Now that is a major, major problem. NID of those days also faced these problems <coughs> because as the years passed by, and you got new faculty who are not part of the necessarily a part of the same culture that NID itself fostered, then NID itself changed. But those were very good processes. How they were handled, everything is very good initially. How they handle eventually then becomes, becomes important. So NID had this culture of openness. And like I mentioned before, there was this culture where all work was presented to the entire community. And that word community and NID was a very important word. NID considered itself a community. So that word was always used. The NID community was a word which all, was always used. And we all felt part of that community. And because we were brought up that way, today, if I meet an NID person after 35 years, having not met that person across all these years, we are able to fall in sync so easily, even if that person was not my friend at that time. Because there, was a, there is a shared heritage, there is a shared way of learning that has happened. I may have had all my problem with that particular person, but at the core of it, that is an NID person. And I'm able to relate. And the kind of discussions that we have whenever we meet up are fantastic and mind-opening. It is not about trivial things. We talk a lot about a lot of things. And that's how we talked about even in those days. So this NID culture is a very, very big thing. It is what 
what you call a, a syncretic culture that absorbed a lot of things from everywhere and then expanded upon that and made its own kind of a culture. We were exposed to films. We were exposed to people from all walks of life, including craftsmen coming from villages who used to come set up their entire show out there. And then we used to observe them, how they worked. These craftsmen came and ate with us in our messes. They were part of this entire community that was happening at that time. We had people coming from all parts of the country, disparate cultures, disparate backgrounds, di different classes of people. All of it was a melting pot. And so therefore we learned a lot more. And that was encouraged. So even in your institutions, and while NID Vijayawada is a new institution and it still probably will take some time to develop its own culture, but then the foundational culture, the ideology, the vision of the place, that should be established. What is the vision of an institution? What is the vision of any new institution? What are they making their students to be? Part of this is this culture of making your student leaders in their field. Everybody should think they are leaders. They're not going to be somebody who's going to plug into a system and be good at Photoshop and therefore that validates their existence in that place. No. Anybody going into a place should be driving that place eventually. It may take you a couple of years to lead to reach that position, but that is the path that one should be on. And we NID people were people of that time, were people of that nature. Wherever we went, we tended to make differences. We tended to be leaders. And that is because of the nature of the kind of the nature of the vision that NID had. And that is well like encapsulated in this India report. Go back into history. Ask Medun, I'm sure he'll be able to provide you people that those documents. Read those things. They're very important. They're elevating. They come from a sense of idealism. Today, we, we have reached a, a kind of a stultification, a kind of we are all wandering around in a dusty desert. But those days, things were fresh. There was an idealism. There was, there was hope. Though we never knew where we were going to at the end of it. We looked at our seniors, where are, where are they? And yes, they also muddled through a couple of years. They did this and that, set up their own little, uh, in, uh, their own studios and so on. But all of those people who went through those hardships have all turned out to be very, very big people. They're all people who make, have made a difference to the world of design today. In any field, some people ask, which, what, are, what are graphic designers going to do when they leave this place? Graphic designers have done a hell of a lot of things. Textile designers have done a hell of a lot of, not necessarily only in textile, but in everything. There are people, textile designers, who land up as head of design in, in Mahindra of all the places. And they went into interior design of the vehicles and later on headed departments, which actually finally passed what a Mahindra vehicle should be like. There are people like Prasoon Pandey, who, who was a graphic designer. He became one of the biggest ever filmmakers in India for advertising agencies. There are a lot of NID people who are sitting in huge positions just by dint of their own capacity and what NID made, made them believe in themselves. So you believe in what you can do. That is, that is what is the greatness of a place like that. Today, institutions are not like that because you have hundreds of institutions and therefore you have seven NIDs or six NIDs. Does each NID have its own vision? Does each NID bring about a, a corpus of students who come out with this thing that, yes, we are leaders. We have done something. We can change things. 
the way we would like things to be changed. When you have too many institutions, then these things get diluted. In those days, there was only one NID. And the burden on that NID was to do these things. Eventually, of course, NID, the questions were asked of NID itself. The NID was run on grants from all kinds of foundations, including Ford Foundation, which stopped after some time. The questions are asked when so much money is being pumped into a place, what is the deliverables? And because design at any way, design was still and is still a very ambiguous thing. Nobody could quantify what difference did designers actually make to the nation. And therefore, people started asking questions. But actually, they did. Designers made a lot of difference to the nation in many, many ways. If you take, if you take visual communication itself, some of the greatest logos have entered public consciousness. Symbols, State Bank of India, Air India, all kinds of things. They came out from NID. For that time, they were exceptional works. Industrial design itself did not do that much because in those days, industrial design was concerned a lot with the societal aspects of things, the rural India. So NID went through this confusion of whether it should be dealing with the industrial India or whether it should be dealing with the rural India. And that the line was very clear. Some people thought it should only be dealing with these rural issues. Some people thought it should be going towards the industrial field in its entirety. But then lines ought to be blurred. You can do both. The industrial designer can deal with rural issues and industrial issues. There's no distinction really as long as the design process is followed. But it became a, a problem, an ideological problem there. So designers should be eclectic. They should be syncretic, being able to embrace everything from everywhere. They should be well-read. You should read fiction. You should see all kinds of movies, see the masters, understand music appreciate all kinds of things. We had, uh, fortunately at that time, the Speak Mackey, which was a cultural organization, was there at, uh, associated with NID. So we had the greatest of Indian classical musicians and, uh, and people from the performing arts coming on regular intervals to NID. And we got to interact with them one-on-one, -on -one, with the best in the world. How, where are the opportunities for students today to do the same thing? Where will you meet a Briju Maharaj and shake hands with him or college to speak? Where will you listen to Zakir Hussain sitting right there four feet away from that person? Or where will you meet the biggest design in the world coming there, photographers in the world coming there, architects, and then having a casual discussion as if as if you were in on par with the same people? We don't have that. Those things built our character and our perception of life a lot. Today, despite the fact that we have this kind of exposure to social media and Instagram and everything, where you see a lot of things, there is a what is missing is a one-on-one -on -one interaction with these people. And come, come this pandemic, now that opportunity is also gone. That means we have to try and reach out to get those opportunities back. Insist that these are the opportunities we need for our own growth. I don't know, we'll have to wait for some time when everybody can get back to campuses and try to implement these things. So all you foundation students, whoever may be there, these are some very important things. It's not very important to know where you're going at the end of four and a half years or four years. It's important to learn. That should be your primary focus. As much as you can gather in these four years, get it and move on.
while at the same time respecting the deadlines and requirements of the institute, which you cannot escape. These are things today you cannot question. Now times we could question a lot of things. There are some things that one has to realize. Which are the battles you need to fight? What is it that you can get and achieve? And then focus on those things. Other things, you will have to handle them and adapt to those things. If grades are important, then you will have to adapt to those grades. One, one difference uh, in our times was that we were taught that the only person to compete with was oneself. And therefore, you had to be the better version of you. Well, yes, there were all kinds of comparisons, who did what and so on. But those were, those were for learning. But today, when you see these things quantified, somebody's got seven, somebody's got six, and somebody's got five, everybody tends to compare because they are very quantifiable numbers. But what has that person actually learned? What has the number five learned? What has the number seven learned? Does a number two mean that person is, is terrible, really? And by what uh, particular uh, uh, criterion is that person terrible? So this has set up tensions within design itself. Design is not a matter of numbers, I think. What exactly have you learned? That becomes the most important thing. These numbers only matter as long as you are here in an institution. They matter if you are going to get admissions abroad, which a lot of people seem to want to, to go and, and do. In, in the, the NID of a time, there were people who went abroad and left the courses and came back. Because they realized that in the five years or six years or seven years sometimes of education at NID, they have learned all they needed to learn. And they just had to apply. So there was a guy who went to Domus to study automobile in, uh, design in Domus, spending a lot of money going there. Six months, he was back in India. And he said, there's nothing that I could learn from Domus that I had not already learned. Or that I cannot learn sitting and doing actual practice in India. So then one will... One will ask this question. What are you actually going and doing your master's? Where is it important? It becomes important when you talk about external things. It becomes sometimes important because of one's personal sense of self-worth. It becomes important when one realizes that within their own study, they have not actually really gone deep into certain things and they would like to fill in that, that particular lacuning. But you have to understand what are the reasons one is going for these further studies. When, when you have these four years of, uh, of education, which I really don't think is, is enough, my own advice would be to go ahead, go and do a, a job for a couple of years, learn the processes of industry, and at that point in time, one will begin to understand where one is lacking. Then you would think of a master's in any, any specific area. There's no point in doing a course like NID and then going and doing a general master's in some place because you're getting an M result. Of course, it becomes very important when you're joining organizations. Even if I take TCS, for instance, when I was at UID, the master's degree student was getting 75,000 rupees on entry into TCS. The undergraduate student was only getting 65,000 rupees. But those are things that are enshrined within institutions, that people with higher qualification will get more, people with lower qualification will get less. But the fact of the matter is, the people who did those two years masters who had no prior background of design at all actually were not as good designers as people who did four years of undergraduate study. So then what is the fairness in that? What is the parity of their? It is a skewed system. But yeah, if somebody is interested in those things, 
certainly they will go ahead and, and do those things. But that is a matter of your personal choice. Whether you're going to do masters for that additional money or whether you're going to do masters to build up your own portfolio, your own, uh, whether you're doing your masters to study more and understand more about design. So there you have to make clear choices. So this was the difference in culture at that time and, and now. People are a lot more interactive, less private. Their lives were more open to scrutiny because of the smaller kind of community. Today, when you have larger institutions, people get lost within these institutions. I've also noticed the culture of reading and watching movies of an educative nature for, the, for knowing how a movie was made. What is the history of that movie? What, what we had courses like media studies. Our science and liberal arts program was a pretty strong program. And that was part, a core part of uh, NID's education. We had SLA and there was a head of department of science and liberal arts. And we got all kinds of inputs into science and liberal arts. And we realized that was part of our growing up. Some, some of those things we felt very irrelevant in those times. But then we were not mature enough to analyze and understand those things. But yeah. In retrospect, all those things built built up a lot of things within us. So we had our college fests, which were organized within the college. Everybody had their responsibilities and they did it well. Sometimes we had certain festivals like the celebration of 25 years of NID, where everybody in the college got six months off. And you had to be in the college and you had to work towards one particular, uh, I mean, creating events that led to a particular day when the 25 years of NID was celebrated. It was fantastic. It was magical. Six months off, no structured courses except the incompletes that we had to finish. And a lot of people did a lot of their incompletes during that time. But then the entire college was working towards celebrating 25 years of NID. And it was an impactful event. So those are the kind of freedoms that we have. Freedoms to choose the kind of subjects that uh, we also wanted to do. Freedom to discuss and argue, freedom to present to the community and then receive feedback from everybody. So there was a lot more of a family feeling at that time. Of course, within the family, there were conflicts. Yes, those are inevitable anywhere. But yes, we had a very, very good corpus of faculty. The student-faculty ratio was very, very high as compared to now. And that, that particular ratio was mandated at that time. Today, you can't have it. Because to have those kind of ratios means the institution has to spend that kind of money to employ that kind, so many faculty for so many students. So yes, sir. Yeah. yes, sir. Uh, I think Ashwin has a question. Yeah. Ashwin? Yeah. Um, hi. Hi, Ashwin. Hi, Vigan. Uh, so my question uh, was regarding, uh, now that we talked about, you know, uh, designers being generalists. I wanted to know about, uh, have you come across examples, people who, you know, have learned dance and then went to animation, have done something else, like done that, done their graduates, done something else, and then done something which could combine their forces, like uh, learn dance and then animation so that they could work together with it. So have you uh, come across some examples like these in industrial design or uh, how do you think, well, what do you, what do you have to think? What do you think about these examples? The design learning in general itself accepts everything from anywhere. That word, if you look at the definition of the word Catholic, 
Catholic, the word Catholic is applied to a religion now. But what it exactly means is, is a person who takes influences from everywhere. By the nature of design education, a designer is exposed to these influences from everywhere. Now, yeah. a designer is taught this design process. Okay. Now, this design process is applicable, applicable across fields. It is not specific to just industrial design. A design process can be applicable to dance. Work. So if somebody has done dance and then they've done a course in design, they're only enriched by this design process. And you look at the aspects of dance in a very different way. The interaction of the dance to the space around, the rhythm, everything changes. You look at it from different ways. It teaches you a more creative approach. Dance itself is a very creative thing. But when you add the design process to it, you add a lot of other factors. You add the factors of textures. You add the factor of light. You add a lot of technical parameters around it. So you can become a better dancer. And people have done those kind of things. People, I myself have worked in diverse fields. I have, I studied product design. But when I actually started my practice, I did furniture design. I did interior design. Then I later on went ahead and became a copywriter. That's when I learned various software at that point in time. And that was after much after my design education. I made documentary films. I made big, big structures. I've done brand identities. I've written scripts for films. And how did I do all these things? I did this because design process allowed me the flexibility to think in different ways and apply it in all these areas. It is, and I felt so lucky that I studied industrial design or design at large that enabled me to do all these things. If I didn't do it, then dealing with a documentary film would have been a huge uphill task for me. Because none of those things I knew really. But what did I do? I've seen enough films. I've seen enough documentary films during my design education, which gave me an appreciation of what these things are. Like I said, I watched all these dancers around the place. And when you look at these dancers, you start analyzing the dance itself in very different manners. The appreciation of dance gives you an appreciation of form and its relationship to the space around. Now, that is not something that will be taught in class because obviously your director is not going to come and dance in front of you and tell you this is what it is. But if you had a dancer coming there and the dancer is, is dancing in front of you, your mind starts working in different ways. And then you, you actually develop this sense of rhythm and form and composition. If you are a visual designer, you will see this right there. The, all the principles of gestalt and everything are presented right there in front of you. You only have to think, ah, this demonstrates this. The dancer himself or herself will never think of these things. For them, it's a fluid experience. But you as a thinking designer will experience all these things and you'll be able to translate this into anything that you you do. I have a friend who is a cake maker but studied visual communication. But everything that they, she studied in visual communication is there demonstrated on that cake. And the extraordinary pieces of work. People don't even want to cut those cakes because they're so fabulous. So design is something that can be applied across spectrum. You can even be a doctor and still apply design processes. It the design process enables you to think in different ways. And that is that is critical. 
if it opens up your mind, that's all that is then design process has worked. That is all there is to it. All the other things that you do from your second year onwards are only cementing this, taking this design process forward and adding other things to the structure. This is the foundation. Then you may become a product designer, a visual communicator, a communication designer, whatever it may be. But this is the original structure. These things are added and then you, you grow like a tree. You can become whatever you want. That is why design is this particular great profession where you can become whatever you want. There are people within your college who, are, who do exquisite dance, who are great musicians. And they become much better because of that. I had a guy who was a genius, genius musician, who was one year my senior. And throughout his career at NAE, he studied visual communication. He kept playing music, sitting in balconies, sitting everywhere, performing in in uh, in bands outside and uh, performances inside. That fellow, later on, he did exhibitions where he used just sound to create certain moods. One famous thing he did was there's one, one dirty little river called Miti River in outside Mumbai. He went and studied that river, recorded various sounds, and then he created a soundscape of that of that river. And which brought to people's mind that, ah, here is one river that needs to be revived and cleaned up and all that. So, he has a social communication that he created through his experience of visual design at NID. But also it was strengthened by the fact that he himself was a great musician and was able to appreciate sound and created something like that. Today, that guy is sitting in Belgium and doing all kinds of uh, performance arts. So, again, it it comes back to it. You have in performance art, you have the visual, you have the auditory and all, probably other kinds of sensory experiences. He was able to take this interest of his, take it and then add it to that. So design, you're lucky that you're in design. I feel everybody who enters design is very, very lucky person because you will never get bored. Even at 80 years of age, if you're a designer there, you'll still find something to do. But that is not the same case with a lot of other professions. Mandatorily, they will retire them. After a point, they're not going to be interested in doing the same thing all over again. Whereas in design, every day you can do something different. What is your field of study? I am doing industrial design right now. Studying second year for industrial design. Okay. Yeah. The thing is, when you study industrial design, don't be specific and think that industrial designers only do this thing. No. You have to know a lot about everything. And at the same time, you have to be very, very solid at a technical level. You cannot go around throwing words like, like plastic. How are you going to make this plastic? What does it mean? There are a million plastics. What kind of plastic are you talking about? You have to have a knowledge of that. You have to develop that, that technical knowledge. You have to develop material knowledge. You have to be able to gauge things, hold things, feel things. If you are sitting somewhere, you've got to understand. You're sitting on a chair. What is it to be sitting on a chair? How is it holding you up? What are the physical principles behind it? It should become part of your nature to analyze these things. Once you do that, at some point it becomes inborn in you. Today, I don't follow this classic design process, starting here, research here and all that. Of course, I do a certain research in, in certain areas, but I'm very specific. I know what is going to, to be applicable to the area that I'm working in. And I will research there. And I shorten this entire design process till the point that it becomes intuitive. Always designers are faced with this particular 
contradiction. You're following a design process which it seems to be quite linear, but you may have a ready-made concept at the beginning because your mind has already started working. And you know that, yes, this is a concept which will work. But at your educational level, what happens is you have to go through this process because it's like a muscle memory. The more you keep on doing this process, at some point it becomes in, it becomes innate. It goes into you, deep into you, and it and it manifests itself when you're dealing with a problem later. In, at your education, when you're in foundation, second year, and you think, oh, this is the best concept. It may be, but you have to validate it. And how will you validate that best concept? You will go through this design process and then throw these questions at the idea that you originally had. Does it work? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But yes, a lot of the time, the intuition plays a huge part in your design process. You should never disregard your intuitions. The gut feel and intuition is critical. And that probably comes from your prior experience. You may have faced this particular problem right from your childhood. And you already built up solutions in your mind. And when it comes to your classroom, that may be the best solution. Great. It means you have understood something about something. But the design process is a validation of it. And you have to do that. For four years, you have to continue validating these, these thoughts of yours. And in the process of all this validation, the more inputs that you have gathered from technical field, from the aesthetic, from the performing arts, from nature itself, then your design becomes the better, the greater for all of it. But tomorrow you should go and sit and try to understand a tree. What is its purpose out there, standing out there? What is the life of a tree? How does it manage? What is its life cycle? If you try to look at that, you'll be amazed at what a tree does what a tree is and what goes behind making it the tree that it is, why it branches that same, that particular way, why its leaves fall at some point, why some leaves don't fall. Everything is a big learning. And I find it's very useful to analyze nature at all times. You have various fields of study that take, uh, take ideas from nature and translate it into industrial design. It's very specific. I'm not even talking about such specific fields. Generally, you have to know about things. And the more you question these things, there are a lot more insights that you will get, a deeper understanding. That's what insight means, a deep understanding into the nature of things around you. Because ultimately, you're going to intervene in these things. And you're going to make the difference. But if you're sitting within small fields of knowledge, you will never ever become the, the, the great designer that you're destined to become. You cannot, cannot be, well, you have to read. You have to read fiction because it makes you imagine things. The difference between, again, an earlier time and now, especially the growth of children, is the fact for children, there is a visual canvas thrown in front of them, which they don't have to analyze, which they don't have to imagine. So I can stare at a TV throughout the day and have things moving around in front. But it doesn't help me develop my imagination. Whereas if you had read a book, or you got a storyline in your mind, and you start imagining that thing, then you, your mind becomes a lot stronger. It becomes a tool, a great tool. So those are differences in time and technology. Today we are just bombarded with technology. Sometimes we have to switch it off, just sit and reflect upon things. What is there? Why have you been given this brain? Is the mobile phone a substitute for your brain? Is the TV a substitute for your brain? The questions that need to be asked. 
they have their places, yes. What is it doing to you? Are you reading? The minute the, the mobile phone came and the TV came and the internet came, everybody stopped reading. Because all things are available so easily for us. But then what happened? When people stopped using their own brain for certain functions. After a point, those, those areas atrophy. Anything that's not used, start atrophying. Something else may develop, certainly. But this human beings do need this direct experience. The ability to imagine, the ability to dream becomes critical and especially for designers. Everybody should have this great ability to dream big things, have great ideologies, have great vision. Then, yes, it takes you forward. And also, generally speaking, I, I never had an idea what I'm going to be doing 10 years down the line. But today, the world moves so fast. And before you realize, 10 years are just gone. And that Pink Floyd song is, is very illustrative. 10 years have passed me by. You don't know, it goes like that. You should know. There should be timelines that you set within. Yeah, 10 years, this is what I'm planning to do and this is what I'm thinking. You may not reach there. You may go another path. But there have to be definite guidelines within everybody's mind. What are we going to do? What is going to happen? Huh? A good understanding of where this world is going is essential. Just uh, two years ago, nobody ever imagined the world is going to reach this kind of a, a standstill the way it has reached at this moment. Nobody, nobody had ever imagined, except some probably some, some epidemiologists have uh, realized that and they knew it for a very long, long time. I think my battery is running out less. Let me, give me a second. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So people, we necessarily have to adapt with the times. This, uh, this epidemic has really changed and thrown everything out of kilter. So then what is the designer going to do during this time? How is the designer going to learn? Like I said in the beginning, it is equally difficult for your faculty to teach you as it is for you to learn from your faculty. Everybody has got trapped by this system. And yes, one does expect because these faculty and me and my management and everybody are supposed to be more intelligent and we had more experience, we're going to do better. But it's not necessarily so. We're all in the same hole that you are in. And it becomes very difficult. Some people may do it better, some people may do it worse, and some people cannot do it at all. To be able to do industrial design online is one of the most difficult tasks. To a certain extent, visual communication is easier because a lot of it has to do with the visual. But how do you how do you translate the feel of a, a, a PCT FE as compared to an acrylic online? Whereas if I sat there and demonstrated that to you, you know, you lift it up, bite it, chew it, smell it, and you know what it's about. How do you replicate all these situations online? Becomes a lot more difficult. Therefore, everybody's taking shortcuts. Therefore, your education has not, unfortunately, reached the levels it is, the quality levels it is supposed to have had. But then, you, can we cry about it and say, yeah, there's nothing much we can do and blame everybody else? No. If you transfer the blame everywhere else, then one is not doing justice to one's own abilities. In this situation, then everybody has to adapt. Faculty have to adapt, students have to adapt, managements have to adapt. It's a very tough situation. I, I don't like the online uh, learning teaching at all. But yes, I have to do it. And if I'm doing it, obviously I'm not doing it to the uh, 
the levels possible that I would have otherwise done if I was actually sitting in a classroom. But I have no options. People don't have the technologies at their hands. Today I'm, I'm talking to you over the phone, primarily because my laptop crashed. And that puts a little burden on how the communication works or on how I'm going to deliver presentations and so on and so forth. There are people in worse situations. It is a bad situation. How do we adapt? We have to adapt to it. We have to adapt and gracefully. There's some things obviously we can question. If things are going bad and you think there is a solution, present the solutions. But just fighting over things doesn't help anyone. Yes, sir. Like uh, we are uh, discussing on the same here. And uh, I hope it answered your question, Ashwin. Yeah, it does. It does. But uh, okay. I had another one if uh -huh. like it, it's pertaining to this one. So if I can go ahead, Midun. Yeah, sure. Just keep yeah. in mind, uh, we will keep the uh, call to two and it will be good for everyone. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll make this okay. as the quick one. So, cool. Uh, Thank you. Guys. Yeah. So we particularly have this design process and we do process like we do uh, come up with concepts and in particularly industrial design we come up with concepts and then we you know think about the market area of things so there's there's something that we have been observing that uh, that we've been sitting at our own homes but this whole market kind of view like we come up with products and then we have discussions where we go like this would never be launched in the market because it doesn't have that kind of values and things so uh, how do you tackle this you know limitation how do you how do you think what do you think about this like do you think uh, products which are you know would which would never be launched in market are not worth um, putting effort on or something like that? No, the fact that you th you have understood that something can't be launched on the market itself is a learning, and there must be reasons why that particular thing cannot be launched on the market. At that point in time, you will calibrate your your efforts, and you will think about what you would actually like to launch. But you're in second year, you said, right? Which means your first year of industrial design. Which course are you doing that requires you to launch products into the market? Uh, right now, we're doing a simple product design. So, simple design. See, it's yeah. again, this is another problem which has arisen. See, there are times, there is a particular time in a student's life where certain things become critical and other things are not critical. Okay. While it is generally good to understand market processes from the beginning, but in simple product design, your business is to design a simple product. That is what it's about. Unfortunately, this view is not held by a lot of people. When you're talking about simple product, you, you are talking about a product which has only one component or maximum two components within that's what makes it simple you're not talking about systems design where you're bringing in all the external factors around it system design comes in your fourth year right so unfortunately you guys and a lot of students have been thrust into this situation where you have to start researching a product seeing how valuable it is in the market then choosing about a range of products, during which time half your course has gone down the drain. Then you will decide on a product and then you will think, okay, this is where I'm going to do my simple product. I don't think that is a very good approach, but that's totally my opinion. And if I were to take the simple product design course, this is how I would do it. To cut down time, I would give you all 
a particular area to work in. And there, you're only going to work with this simple product, which has these two components. And I am not concerned whether it is going to run work in the market or not. I simple product design is to make you understand the process of designing a product that is very basic. Once you learn these processes, tomorrow you're designing a more complex project product, then you will be able to do that. And then when it comes to systems design, you will be able to do that. Design learning, while there is a continuity of all the learning and it's pretty fluid, but there is something called drawing lines. What is it that you're supposed to learn at your second year level, third year level, fourth year level? At fourth year level, if you didn't understand these market processes and all these things, then you have actually failed in your education. At first year level, you should know how to design a simple product. What are the factors that go into designing a simple product? What are the mechanisms that are involved? What are the materials that are involved? What are the processes that are involved? What are the other aspects of handling? Obviously, you have not studied ergonomics as yet. Uh, we did have a course about ergonomics, but yeah, we haven't been able to put it into application. So if, uh, if you had a course in ergonomics, then you will apply the learnings of ergonomics. You will apply the learnings of design process. You will apply the learnings that came from your environmental perception where users are concerned. How did they use products and so on and so forth. So the general learnings are applied here, which means there's a continuity from here. Whether this product is going to sell in the market or not, now that's a slightly different issue. Have you designed this product well? First of all, then you have learned about simple product design. The question of need, usability, and all these things will be there in the background. Yes, one has to consider these things. Obviously, if you're designing a simple product that cannot be used at all, that is of no use to anybody. You may have learned something about the simple product and the way it is going to be done. But, but some things are taken for granted. You're not going to do costing in simple product design. What has happened now is because of the condensation of the course, a lot of these things come together in, in your second year itself, which ideally should not be happening. It will These things start happening in your third year, where you have gone through the various courses that enable you to analyze a product in terms of its marketability, usability, uh, the ergonomics, etc., etc. But that is a more complex, uh, complex kind of a product than a complex learning. Simple product design, it is good enough for you to learn what how a product is made. Whether you're going to cast that product, whether you're going to injection mold it, whether you're going to use pultrusion methods or any of the things, whether you're going to do it in a crafts manner, whatever it is. That, that is the learning you should get. So one should not reach for too much. But yes, I'm sure that there will be other people who have other viewpoints and therefore you have to follow their viewpoints. But if you are clear in your own mind, if they insist, that yes, marketing should also be a factor that you think think about it. There's no there's no rule that you should learn about marketing and and uh, other things only later. If somebody is insisting you you think about it, think about it. But at the end of it, if you're not doing learning about simple product design itself, that's a problem. Simple product design is about designing a simple product. It is there defined in the name of the course itself. Most of your courses are like that. Technically complex project or a product. That means technically complex. What does technically complex mean? It means certain things. What does simple product mean? It means certain things. So the, that's how I, I look at it and that's how I lead my courses. Because I wouldn't like 
to confuse my students by bringing in all extraneous things into into the business of learning about a simple product. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, that 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 answers it. Thanks a lot. But you have problems. Yeah. You are expected to do certain things. Yeah. Thank you, uh, sir. And uh, I think, um, you know, uh, coming to the end of the session, and uh, it, um, we really would like something, of, uh, you know, you to tell something about, you know, how to actually build design culture. You know, at least people who are here in their like the students who are here. and even in a remote uh, you know environment or after they go back to the college action points on how to effectively build something like that so that you know they can be in a environment where design uh, education can be a more of a peer learning and also uh, you know uh, driven on a daily basis rather than just depending upon courses you see meton you would realize it and seen it in your own uh, experience of your college even when people are together building this design culture is a very difficult task right all of you in one place and when people are apart and then doing things online the problems are multiplied people can build cultures if they know each other that means if there are 60 people in the class of this foundation everybody should know something about somebody else where they are from what their backgrounds are what their thought processes are and therefore then there should be sessions introductory sessions given half an hour to everybody to talk about themselves <clears throat> that would be a first thing people should know i found in these online classes half the class doesn't know the names of the other other class and when there are 120 students it becomes a huge problem fortunately at nid there are only 60 students i guess in foundation people should know each other it starts there i don't there is no easy fix to this once it starts there even in an online environment there you, you people should have certain kind of uh, clubs which is the same thing a replication of what you had out there cultural clubs film clubs and so on and so forth and there should be people taking willing to take the responsibility of creating these clubs and furthering them it should become see i don't think there's a very big difference between this this situation of education online and the fact that on facebook or instagram or on whatsapp and all that you all have groups which everybody participates in highly enthusiastically so only when it comes to education people are not participating in groups everybody has got a viewpoint everybody puts up pictures everybody makes comments on everything puts likes on something so there are shared communities out there there should be similar shared communities among the among this uh, in colleges too so if it can be created there and you can make great friends online i don't see why the same thing cannot be replicated in uh, in college situations too maybe then somebody can come out with some kind of a uh, a pro, an app or some kind of an environment where these things are facilitated what happens is now people have too many groups there all parts of everybody does their own thing similar works i do i do think one can get together and make one group you guys can do that you can make your own playground where everybody comes and and uh, deliver something there then you have options for them to give a cultural performance introduce something talk about a a, a film talk about an experience talk about show and showcase their photography and that should happen repetitively 
problem is people are tired of this online situation. How long will you be on your phone or your laptop or your screen? It's a tiring process. But then if it is made interesting, so then, then your uh, think ethical can even address this kind of a thing where you bring together this foundation batch of, of, uh, of NID. And, and then start up something. It can only start small. It's something new that you guys will be doing. Sure, sir. I can think about it, obviously, and you guys can also think we can have another session at a later time with these questions can be addressed. The question of culture is a very big uh, thing and there are a lot of intervention that can be made. Right now, I guess we are running out of time. And if, if you so think that we can meet again on this thing at some later time, why not? Sure, sir. We'd love to have you back, obviously, I and uh, discuss I more. I am on... the same dilemma, Midun, yeah. as to how this thing can be done online or how education is done online. I will be learning a lot from your questions and your interactions as much as you will be learning from my experiences. So it's useful for me for for in many yeah in many ways for me. I would like to know. Because sitting at home, I'm also fairly divorced from the realities of of, uh, of the foundation and all that. True, sir. Like I think uh, all of us are aligned towards the same sentiment here. And even in office or uh, back in college, and you're facing the same situations and. I really feel that if we can actually, you know, tap on this uh, problem statement as how to do this in an online environment, I think it would cater to a bigger audience rather than just us. And it would be an ideal design solution, as you say, for the for building the culture in such a scenario. Yeah. And... So all these 32 people, Pragati and 32 others, Pragati and 32 others. So if you can poll, take some inputs on based on this discussion, it'll be sooner the better. So people remember things, put down their ideas, and at some point later, they can be taken forward. Sure, sir. We'll run something or uh, right after this call. Right. So thanks Super. a lot. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for having, uh, so for, you know, coming here uh, and, uh, you know, talking to us for such a lengthy time. I'm pretty sure uh um like we'll obviously reach back to you for further uh, sessions regarding uh, very similar things and such guidance is something that uh, motivates and uh, uh, even the students back there are looking out for and uh, as uh, even seniors we wanted to go back and do you know things but then again uh, the uh, situation doesn't allow us to do so so hence uh, we are trying to find out alternatives to fill that gap and elevate even our juniors to you know think much broader and you know at, at least you know what we think is here abi so at least uh, they can think at an earlier stage and you know it can be much better as a designer they can grow also much better as a designer and i really feel this will help and thank you again sir thank you for coming you know uh, sentiments regarding your college and you people so it's always a pleasure Thank you, sir. Great to hear that also. Obviously, that's why uh, I think uh, we reached out to you directly just because of this, because uh, I think more most of us who are here also uh, have been, I think you have guided them personally uh, while we were in college. And uh, that is exactly uh, what we feel great about you being here and telling us these things. And 
it's just like a senior talking to us about what happened it's just 1985 but again you're still senior who is talking and uh, telling us you know how to build and how to set up things and uh, yes again uh, thank you for all those and um, guys uh, uh, do tell us uh, how you f- uh, feel about the session thank and lovely messages i see them coming in thanks a lot <laughs> always i would never mind doing this again and again if at all at some point this all leads to something great and big and, and good for you people i i'd be absolutely happy because it does good for me too sure sir yeah, yeah. guys uh, do fill in the form and let us know what you think of the session and also suggest different different topics that you would want to hear it'll be great for us to you know reach out to people regarding that and any specialty that you want to uh, address in the situation would also be great for us to know thank you Thank you. Bye. Okay, guys, do just fill in the uh, nice. Google form, and before you leave, just take two minutes. That'll be great. I'll just copy paste it again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Madhu. Thanks. Madhu, is there a way we could have the poll questions? Maybe. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, we'll be providing the results of everything soon. and i think uh, in the same student community mail we'll be sending it out okay uh, along okay, with cool. the link for the recording of the meeting cool 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 thanks a lot thanks a ton great session thank you guys thank you for coming